but I can cut it up. Fine. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. My name is Ben. God damn it. I hate this. <laughs> no, no, no. Just you have to My say name your name. My name is Zane. And then you throw it back to me, and we're the Carton cast. We review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Fuck. Why did you do this? <laughs> um, and today we're talking about Beavis and Butthead Duo oh. Zane's not very enthused. Why? I was really excited to check this out, um, but but yeah. So uh, full disclosure, I have never been into Beavis and Butthead. I <laughs> vaguely remember a night in my twenty somethings where I watched it uh, while uh, at a, at a party, and I admit to having some fondness for it even back then. But I was never really a child of this generation. I wasn't really part of the MTV crowd, so it w- wasn't really my thing. So we're coming at Beavis and Butthead more or less for the first time. It's like, as 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 the millennial I am, and someone who is very like not a fan of the Gen X mentality, the elevation of the slacker archetype, and just like, oh man, I just really didn't <laughs> like it. Like it's just these guys are just like it's South Park in the way that like. Hey, we're gonna make fun of authority and anti-authority figures. Isn't that wacky? We don't really have a point. We just hate you. But like uh, that, the jokes are worse. <laughs> that, that's interesting. I'm I'm really glad that you had this like uh, this uh this expression this uh this feedback to it because uh, I I did enjoy it. But I, 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 I have knew feedback. that you were gonna I struggle. I have a letter to the editor on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but we we decided to do Beavis and Butthead do America. We haven't uh, checked out uh, My Judge Creation before. We did check out Daria, mm-hmm. but in rec- recollection and in research, we realized that, hey, that actually wasn't by Mike Judge. It just used one of his characters. So, yeah, yeah. We, we need to go into like a deep, like a like a Hank of the Hills or whatever. <laughs> yes. the Hank- So as a fan of Hank of the Hills, <laughs> uh, we I, I really wanted to check out Beavis and Butthead for the show at some point, and this was a reasonable enough way to do it. Which is good because, like, I think that asking you to watch multiple episodes of Beavis and Butthead would have been a very hard sell. It would have been. Now, now I, I'll enjoy A King of the Hill. I could very much enjoy, like, you know, spending a month hiding out in an underground bunker with you watching King of the Hill and playing Smash Bros. Like, that's the thing I could <laughs> see myself doing. Oh, that's happening. <laughs> we're, 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 we're a scant four months out. <laughs> but, uh, but this is just so lacking yeah. in charisma. Yeah, Zane. Zane, I I don't know if you checked out any of Beavis and Butthead the uh, the the series. Oh, as you, kind of are like you a... asking about my capacity for self violence? No, I'm not not interested. <laughs> well, I, well, it, because you like just uh be, just because you atomized our intro by stating your dis disinterest with this property, <laughs> I'd like to give you a chance to kind of state your opinions on Beavis and Butthead and the, kind of the mentality around it because I think that it's important. Um, in in 
in context for what Beavis and Butthead, the show, was useful as, who it appealed to, why it appealed to them, and then how that, you know, how that relates to you, you know, uh, bouncing so hard off of this. I, I know that our, like, thesis statement of this podcast is we're going to do a deep dive and understand how things work. I, you're going to need to lead the, through this discussion because I can only, exp- I can only feel disdain for this property. Man, it, you know, that actually kind of surprises me. You are generally the level-headed one in terms of, like, <laughs> when you dislike a thing, you you are still able to find something about it that you can kind of grapple with. And I, I think that I tend to, like, for interest, for, for interest, for, for example, uh, something like a fruits basket. Hmm. Like, I, I think this is your blatant harem anime that doesn't admit it's a harem anime. That, like, mm-hmm. that's, that's your weakness. Whereas, whereas mine is is more the fruits basket thing. But when I bounce off a of fruits basket, all I can do is every piece of evidence in the property gives me more reason to hate it, which I guess is what this did for you. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, what you have here, and with some of Mike Judge's other works, which I generally hold in higher regard, is you have a property that is able to do the do the good things about counterculture, to, to hold up a lens on the uh, uh, power structures and systems of authority that don't work and that are, are clearly unjust and make fun of them in a way that is insightful and also, like, universal, in a way that makes it understandable. Yeah, so in, but then in they regards took it. Well, they, in regards to that, let's, let's explain. Beavis and Butthead was a show that, you know, premiered uh, in 1993, um, it, it originated from a short called Frog Baseball, which is about two kids beating up, like hitting a frog and then giggling about it. And honestly, that's that's the majority. So that's the thing, of, though, of the Beavis and Butthead energy that it appealed for. And and as you said, it is a counterculture. It is a rebellion to yesteryear's Simpsons, which in itself, it, what I found interesting about Beavis and Butthead is because like we had. We, we had, you know, the 50s mentality of, like, I don't know, family matters. Or or uh, there's, like, a lot of these family... Or, like, um, Everybody Loves Raymond, I guess, is a much later example. But there's this sitcom family-oriented, everything's great by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And The Simpsons was sort of a rebellion against that, where they didn't resolve things, where people were acerbic and kind of hated each other even though you had the same building blocks of a sitcom family structure. And this, I think, was in reaction to that, where you you bucked the family dynamic altogether, and sort of the Seinfeld of animated series in the 90s, where it's actually kind of a show about... like It's almost like a proto-Aqua Teen, in that yeah. it, it is not really about anything. There aren't firm goals, and the characters are by design unlikable and unrelatable. This is, that's why it feels like so much of a wasted opportunity. You know, pe- people at the time gave a lot of flack to The Simpsons because it was portraying, uh, you know, this this lower class lifestyle. But it's, Which it, happened like three years before, just for context. But it's really a difference between, you know, values and tastes. You know, you're going to have similar values as your parents. You're still going to care about family and your community and, you know, having a stable whatever. But your tastes may be different. Oh, you like that band that yells a lot. How can I possibly bridge this gap? Well, well, we believe the same things about, you know, uh, uh, the the sanctity of life and the uh, disdain for corruption. 
that 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 bridges a lot. Here in Beavis and Butthead, we are given authority, and it makes fun of authority, and I'm fine with that. And then, as the only alternatives, the only alternative way of being that is on offer in this show is a type of person I hate and don't want to be. Not hate, but like, my God, I would hate this. Or like, like you can either be uh, this jackbooted thug uh, who is way too much authority and says, you know, always probe to the fullest extent of the law and beyond. Or you can be the slackers who like can barely string two thoughts together and hate everything. Or you can be the lamest old person in the world. Those are your options in this. So it, it sounds like your main uh, your main difficulty with this movie was that there wasn't really anyone to root for. It, you know, it seems very basic on a film level that you should have a character that you like. <laughs> I mean, well, that's part of the deconstruction, though, isn't it? Is because, and this that's, you know, bucking the trends of The Simpsons, where, like, Bart was a rapscallion. You know, Bart was, was, a, was a shitty boy. You wouldn't want to have him in your town. But, like, he wasn't inhuman and that's the character design the models for these guys i don't know i did a little bit of non-standard research where i <laughs> looked at their faces for long enough that i was i was gripped these are with gremlins a, i was gripped with a need to type into google real life beavis and butthead lo and behold <laughs> oh. some real interesting flesh golems pop out the, these are morlocks it's, what came back in time like <laughs> they're very interesting and it's by design zane it's by design they I, look ben, like this I for know. a reason you can make something <laughs> bad by design and it's still bad <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess my point is just like i i mean you're, you're not ignorant of this you're not saying no that i, I it can is appreciate a, a deconstruction and, and I know that you're not saying that uh, the point of this is a glorification of the slacker Gen X mentality, because it's not. I, I went and looked up a—I um, actually went up and looked up a review of Beavis and Butthead Do America by Roger, uh, Roger Ebert. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I can state a little bit of a paragraph here. Beavis and Butthead are so stupid and sublimely self-absorbed that the exterior world has little reality except as an annoyance or distraction. It would be easy to attack Beavis and Butthead as ignorant, vulgar, depraved, repulsive slobs. And of course they are. But that would miss the point, which is that Mike Judge's character reflect parts of society that produce them. So this is this is a this is a reflection of the MTV watching crowd, the TV couch potato junkie. Uh, kind of idiots of that era. And it's also a critique of the hyper-authoritative, very stuck-in-the-past mindset, 50s-era, king-of-the-hill, you know, character, like, Hank Hill characters um, that sort of inhabit the same space. And I, I understand that you don't like it, and I understand that you you get that it is a critique not only of those hyper-authority traditionalist but also of Beavis and Butthead themselves I just find it interesting that when we lose a person to root for you are just completely and this isn't a criticism but you seem it seems like you needed a point of view to be correct as opposed to a just taking down of kind of every I, aspect I, of society I disagree that Beavis and Butthead are being critiqued in this I think that think so uh the way that this is presented and perhaps the the show you know, provides enough context and enough of a through line to make it clearer. Um, I did not get the sense that the 
authors of this work like recognize that this is not a good good way to be hmm I, I, I like I'm I could a, take this as just hmm. this is being played straight. Wow, I I don't think I can see it that way. Like I I and maybe it's just because the character models make it so obvious that I should not I shouldn't have these guys these guys should not be the ones I listen to or these guys should not be the well, the, well not not these guys in particular but the thing that they're trying to get across to you that like because every other person in in this movie is made to seem worse than these guys in some fashion. I think differently bad would be differently a better Differently bad put is it. fine. Yeah. But I, I understand your point. It's uh it's not something that came across to me and I think that that is a really good thing to like keep in mind as we dissect this. I don't want to dissect it too much at the beginning because I think a lot of this will come out in the wash. Well, no, because I let me see. I think one of the problems is is that like looking back with 2020 eyes the idea of like, oh, your big cool act of rebellion against the system is to just like sit on the couch and you know not be a productive member of society so that they can't benefit from your excess labor, like that to me just feels very weak. I, and I'm sure I, I'm sure it was you know provocative and thought provoking at the time, but it's like there there's there's other ways you could have gotten that across. I. I don't know how to judge that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, this this did speak to me on some level. Um, I I actually found this more appealing than South Park because it's not preachy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, it's, it's a cross-section interpretation, ugly Americans lens at, like, the evils of American society, but without any of the preach, which made it appeal to I, me I, a little I, bit more. <laughs> See, for me, I don't mind that South Park is preachy. I mind that their opinions are often wrong. I mean that that is a unique that is that is a distinct problem from the one I'm. But I mean the, the but, opinions but, can but, be wrong the problem, here too. The problem with this show or with this movie is it doesn't really even seem to like. It doesn't even put forward a position. It just says I, I don't all think ways of accurate. being are wrong. And I don't like, think that's like accurate. I get that like me as a person like. I do want someone in my story to be someone I can at least understand the motivations of, right? Or 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 appreciate or want to see myself in those roles and, and empathize with a character. And yes, you can take that out to say something in the same way that like in a student film you can be like, whoa, man, like you don't need to have a plot f- to make a movie. Like I, I don't see the benefit. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting point of view. I, I don't share it. I maybe, actually maybe. find... I actually find Beavis and Budhead pretty charming in their own way. Maybe it's because I don't have that uh, as intense a need to connect to any of my characters. Like I could kind of just view it through a kaleidoscope and not really. I, I didn't. I didn't feel a need to kind of empathize with any of them. But I. I will admit that a lot of this got to me not on a like social commentary level, mm-hmm. but just on a pure comedic timing, funny context. Mike Judge recognizing he's like here is a situation office space the office this is the funny that can come out of it if we look at it through this angle or this angle or this angle yeah the plotting is fine yeah and and i think the jokes in beavis and butthead tend to be pretty funny like Mm -hmm. i i went and looked at a couple of the uh a couple episodes and they do an an ongoing segment of beavis and butthead is that they do these sort of MST3K style 
um, them watching a music video and just nattering through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And their voices, you remember in Angry Beavers how part of the part of the charm of it was that they actually felt like real brothers because of how much ad-libbing they were doing. Sure. I I felt that with these guys. I know that this oh, is the same man. person. I know I look, So this is hear, perhaps hear, the, the biggest gulf between us on this because I found them and the way they talk to be the absolute like most objectionable part of this. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is like we're so we're of such two different minds about this. This is so great. So like let me let me explain what I mean a little bit. Uh, they're watching some woman dancing in a music video, and one of them is just, uh, one one of them says, "Hey, check it out! It's Pussy Galore." Isn't she from that movie where the with the guy that with, with those numbers? Yeah, he's got two zeros in his number so that he can kill people. And that, that's that's the whole dialogue. That, <laughs> like, that's but, better dialogue than in the movie, I will say. But I also love their just like constant, just giggling at nothing because it's. And and I admit that I, I it's a pretty low form of humor to just like this this dog is having a great time licking his nuts you know like I get it it's there's no it's it's, it's low the presentation fruit. that rubs up against me the wrong way I'll freely admit this this chafes against my sensibilities as a person who like when you see something wrong in the world the my idea of the correct response is to do something about it like but sure. But, uh, that got in the way of me enjoying this. Um, there are certainly good jokes, certainly parts to enjoy. The characters, I will not abide. <laughs> yeah, so so we got a little bit down a rabbit hole. Let's let's talk about the characters and then try to actually talk about the movie instead of just the show. Although I'm going to bring some of this stuff back as it comes out. I'm gonna I'm we... gonna I'm gonna mention the production of the movie first. Oh yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. So Beefus and Butthead do America. Uh, which, in the context of what happens in the film, is a title that makes far too much sense, and I'm upset at how well that works. The dialogue is so forced to you couldn't call be it anything else. To, they have to they have to have the dialogue a certain way to set up the house of cards. That is each interaction with Beavis and Butthead and a normal human being. Yeah, you couldn't improv this. This is <laughs> this is very deliberate. Uh, it was released in 1996 by Paramount. It was made by Mike Judge, as we said. Mm -hmm. The movie falls within the run of the show, and I absolutely thought the show was older than this. I thought it was like eighty something. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's got a it's got a pretty rudimentary animation style, especially the early years, which mm -hmm. Mike Judge himself says looks amateurish. Um, what I found is that, like, looking at later Mike Judge stuff, uh, I can start to see him bleeding into his King of the Hill style, which is yeah. gratifying. I like to see like they kind of. You know, you can watch this the evolution of South Park throughout the ages. I, I, I could also feel it with this uh, with this artist. Sure. Uh, the movie was really pushed forward by David Geffen, who started DreamWorks and loved the show, and mm -hmm. uh, also wanted to put out a, a Beavis and Butthead record album. Um, and But before Viacom bought Paramount, the movie was going to be by Warner Bros., and it was going to be live action. And it well, was that's be, a mistake. It was going to be starring David Spade and Adam Sandler. which That, like, that actually is correct. That is, perfect casting no that's that's correct the live action part is nonsense because part of what allows me we've talked about this several times part of what mm -hmm. allows me to uh deal with the atrocities that are included in a work is that uh there is that filter of uh this is not the real world so i can laugh at a person slipping on a banana banana peel and breaking their leg sure you know it's uh it's it's mario kart logic yeah. right 
I would never in a, in like on a real highway chuck some turtle shells out on the road. Like that's not funny <laughs> well, that, for the I turtle. Mean, that certainly, is, that is kind of funny. <laughs> Just no, Zane, you're undercutting it. your own point. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, the the point is you would need that uh, that buffer from reality in order to be able to laugh to give and you the allowance to laugh. Doing and, real, and act, real life fact, is totally impossible. I'll accept the fact that the animation is pretty crude because that allows the buffer to be larger. Yes. Um, Viacom? Well, when it's applied to our main characters, it is larger. Yeah. When it's just the ATF, you know, the head of the ATF being like, let's go violate some uh, some other people's rights. It's yeah, a little yeah. less okay because he looks like a regular human being. Yeah, every character but Beavis and Butthead looks a lot more detailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is its own kind of meta humor in a way. Yeah. But, um, but anyway. Viacom owned an MTV, and so since they also just bought out Paramount... Um, they were like, well, let's have Paramount do it. And then they let Mike Judge make this a cartoon, which, as you say, kind of kind of works better. And Mike Judge also voices both of these characters. So, you know, I, I agree that he does understand, like, clearly he understands something about the point he's trying to make. I just, you know, 25 odd years out, it doesn't hit the same way. It was definitely a product of a different time, as you get with any kind of counterculture sort of uh, spectacle. And it's you know, weird because they're going to be reviving it. They they announced in July that they're going to be reviving this show. I think some of the metrics of uh, of the Beavis and Butthead show can be can be seen as timeless. You know, teenagers are always idiots, um, and you know, I, I think that there is a market for absurdity, regardless of what era you're in. You know, this is early on Marx Brothers kind of Three Stooges stuff, like Beavis and Butthead are not fundamentally that far removed from I, I think a absurdist lot of, humor. Well, I think, like, millennials and Gen Z, you know, like I said, are much more of the, like, you know, let's 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 throw some things. Let's do this in a more punk way than an emo way. Yeah, this is very, this is very grunge. Yeah. Uh, slacker kind of way to, to, uh, to react to polite society. I forgot uh, that I, grunge is just emo that's not sleepy. <laughs> yep, it's just, it's just it's just less tired emo. Um, wh- one thing that uh, is to, to a point in your favor, one of the reasons I think maybe you are uh, not enjoying this is because it's very reminiscent of Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, where the, our main characters see polite society and say these polite traditions are ridiculous, <laughs> but the way that they articulate that is by being the most obnoxious people on earth. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yes, you're starting out from a point of valid criticism and ending up in you're super annoying. <laughs> so so right. maybe that's part of it. I, I don't want to be the guy who accuses people of undercutting their own points, but like this is <laughs> deliberately doing that. I, I suppose so. I have a lot of faith in my judge because I, I've watched a lot of King of the Hill, which I consider his magnum opus. Sure. And I, I find it very, it's very similar. It's very similarly... Um, in in tone in the things that he is attacking, it has a much more relatable and and cozy feeling. Like it's not as abrasive, certainly as Beavis and Butt. Yeah, it, it it's actually Hank, a little bit closer to The Simpsons. Hank Hill is more of the ego compared sitcom. to Beavis and Butthead's id. Um, maybe, and, and you know they they do have a Hank Hill character, and I'm not even just talking about the obvious Hank Hill standing in this movie. No, it's but just Hank Hill. <laughs> I understand, but like, there's a number of characters in the movie whom are just 
the main joke that they make in King of the Hill is that somebody thinks he's in the 50s, but it's no longer the 50s. Parents and just don't understand. I'm that edgy. is a lot of that is a lot of the character the, the adult characters reacting to Beavis and Butthead in this. Yeah, and like I don't know, I I kind of like the idea of like, oh yeah, you know, I I I got this camper van. I'm going to keep it clean and and well managed and I'm going to go, you know, enjoy my vacations. Like I don't have a problem with this guy. <laughs> Why do they have a problem with this guy living his life? And the teacher who's like kind of a hippie, sure, but like he's like Guys, I'm trying to speak to you on your level. You got to respect other people. Well, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, fuck you, man. I it's inter- it. it's it's not necessarily there there is a point here if you if you kind of whittle down into each kind of into each character and what they represent. The Hank Hill stand-in is sort of like I respect and cherish the values of the 50s and I cannot change with the times. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Mr. Simmons stand-in teacher character is i respect and you know adhere to the values of the 60s and i cannot change with the time every every character in this is sort of like not they don't know how to react to beavis and butthead because there's there is no sane way to react to them Mm -hmm. and still have them be part of the conversation like you have to just ignore them and no one no one kind of picks up on that yeah, but the, and of course that gets back into the thing where all Mike Judge is doing is criticizing every single different subculture here, and not really making a point for what is correct. And I think that there's a place for that too. I th- I think it bothers me in part because it facilitates this like co-opting of things that I feel are kind of universal values uh, by people I disagree with on other things. So like, yeah, Hank Hill's a loser, but he also believes in like treating other people with respect and like working hard. And like, why should we? disregard those and let you know people on the wrong end of the political spectrum have sole claim to that like it's it really bothers me (laughs) well i think the reason that it bothers you is just because he is not the hero of the story because in king of the hill that is equally true he is disrespected for his stodgy traditional beliefs even though he is a person who just wants to like play nice and have everyone follow the rules. But in King of the Hill, he's the star of the show, he's the hero of the story. So it is much more palatable there. Hmm. It's not it's not a you know it's not a vastly different character, right? He just happens to be the person who is whom we are able to relate to because the story is focused on him. Well, I mean Yeah. Like I, I, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't. You're not. Your your piece is valid. Like you're not incorrect in. Like there, there's. It's just opinion. It's just. Uh, it's just subjective enjoyment. Like and you bounced off of it because it it extols virtues that you don't. Uh, you don't uphold. It does. Um, like it doesn't. And that's okay. It doesn't seem like it's saying anything. I think. I think that's part of the point. And I know that's kind of a cop out, but uh, I don't know. I. Let's let's revisit this the farther we get down into it because we, we got to actually talk about the characters. Do we? I mean, to, to a minor degree, just just a setup, just a setup. Uh, we got Beavis and Butthead, who are not really distinct. They're just a single person split into two people so that he can talk to himself. What one is more of like a gremlin, and one is more <laughs> of like. Like, Do you have your, like, bestiary open? Yeah, let me get the bestiary. He's like, maybe, like, <laughs> okay. half-orc? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something on the troglodyte spectrum. Sure, that's a good that's a good way of putting and it. And they're, they're just a terrible feedback loop for each other. They are they are both... It needs to be two people so that one of them can yes and the other one and echo chamber his terrible, terrible inclinations. Yeah, like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, this sucks. 
That's not, that's not so bad. You forgot the giggling, but... Uh, I refused to do the giggling. That was the worst part. You, you don't like the giggling? In a movie I... full of worst parts, that was the absolute terrible... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why like this is the most subjective it's gonna get because part of me just it just appealed to some base instinct that i had it's it's too often there's no variance and it just eats up time i i i think it's really funny because like i i think it one it, i think it, it it does have purpose beyond just you know pavlovian response of he's giggling and it's a funny sound i think it it is purposeful in that like they are so divorced from every situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. They don't even see themselves as active players. It's like they're watching their own lives through the spectrum of TV. Yeah, and it, having well, them it, giggling it, it, constantly kind of reinforces that. It, it boils down the angst and like sturm und drang of being a teenager into just like dismissing everything. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly it. And I understand <laughs> that that is frustrating to you. I only found it funny. I I don't know. I feel like it's also just like it's trying to become more memeable. Like anybody can do this impression because it's like fifty percent of the time it's just that like fake George Bush laugh. There's there's some uh, there's some definite like meme struggle in this. I think that they cranked up the giggling. Well, the giggling was always there even in the show. They did crank up certain Beavis and Butthead mainstays for the purposes of this movie. The twenty minute cornholio gag could probably have been cut down somewhat. Um, yeah, so I, this I'm is, not gonna. This I'm is not more, gonna defend that. This part is just a stylistic difference. I like fast humor, and this decidedly really slow humor. This is very slow. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so they're you know they're a two man echo chamber. They convince themselves that it's okay to thumb their nose at polite society mm-hmm. without actually doing anything about it. Sure. I I think that this is actually the part of you. I think it. I think it reflects a part of you that is like it's not enough to just say that's wrong because then you're just left with two assholes talking to each other. Yeah, it, as R.E.M. said, offer me solutions. Offer me alternatives or I decline. Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, they said that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only thing I remember about that. Well, Leonard Bernstein was a visionary and a, and a musical genius. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll back off of ben, Leonard Bernstein here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I appreciate. I'll take that as a kindness. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, for for more on my feelings on this, check out our Clerks episode. It's the same problem. <laughs> the same Except stage. I like that comedy a bit better. I, I like this one a bit better. I can't. Uh, you know, I thought the other one. I thought uh, the the Clerks the animated series comedy was overwritten. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think this is a, this is more organic, and a lot of that does come from the constant giggling and just kind of muttering under the breath that they do. I don't know, but when I see something that like looks like it takes so little effort to come up with dialogue for these guys, I just imagine all the people like drawing the animation and filling in the color and like doing the sound editing and doing the marketing. I'm like, you couldn't try. Like, I don't mind things being overwritten if they're written, you know? <laughs> I I really liked it. And I'll point it out in the moments where I think that that's really additive. But for the most part, I think that their dialogue is all right. kind of great. <laughs> Uh, there are some other characters, but they're just celebrities. Yeah, it's okay. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Demi get these, Moore. How did they get these people? I don't know. While they were together, I don't know. I think that like Bruce Willis was a fan of Beavis and Butthead and convinced his. Maybe this is why they broke up. I can see Bruce Willis as like approaching Mike Judge and like, yes, I'm also misunderstood and wanted to get out of this career. But no matter what I do, they just t- keep telling me to be an actor. I don't know. Yeah, I really it- want to sing. Yeah, so his his character is Muddy Waters, which is 
pretty good. <laughs> I feel like that's a real jazz musician, isn't it? It sounds like one, yeah. But uh, he uh, is the... Um, he and his wife, Dallas Waters, are like this weird spy couple that broke up and he hires Beavis and Butthead to kill his wife. It's it's so it's so overly intricate for the rest of what the rest of the movie it's is so confusing doing. Because on the one side they're just like, you know, this down home couple who went through a rough spot and they're trying to make things work and but they got some issues to work through. And on the other hand, like, yeah, they they broke into somewhere and stole the nuclear weapon. Like <laughs> Yeah, it th- those two do not belong together. Like if he was you know, a deep throat figure who was like all about like pulling his hat in front of his face and talking in an alleyway. That'd be one thing. But he actually is shown as like a drunk who was sad because he lost his wife. Kind and, of, and and she's too. like some criminal mastermind who can like Sherlock the room immediately. She's Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, this this makes no sense. It makes no sense. And like, I really love how halfway through the movie, they're like, we're gonna have like a spy thriller going, just vaguely going on in the background. Yeah, While these, the foreground is Beavis and goddamn Butthead. They just walked into that another so couple funny of movies. To me. That is so funny to me. <laughs> like, the focus of the movie is ignoring the macro plot that is, like, this crime drama there, spy thriller. There's a scene where it's it's Dallas, the, you know, she's, the, she's one of the criminal masterminds, Fatale, talking yeah. to Beavis and Butthead, and it feels like nothing more so than an improv scene where one person is doing all the work. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that that scene is so funny for a different reason, a very Johnny Bravo reason. Uh, but we'll we'll get into it. And that's basically all the characters. Like, mm-hmm. there's the the head of the ATF who is obsessed with giving people anal probes in a way that was probably funnier before our current, you know. I mean, I guess you know the 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 you know governmental bodies having abuse of power problems is kind of a yeah they've always been bad and wrong and and you know people shouldn't have that much power under any circumstances exactly and i think that's that's a little bit timeless so i I guess that still works it's it's more uncomfortable than it used to be for me Mm -hmm. at least through my 2020s perspective but um that's really all the characters i think we can actually just start yeah that's fine Sure, and and we start in a weird place because this is just a kaiju dream sequence. Well, but be- be- before that, oh, please don't lengthen this. No, no, no. Before that, we have the paramount. I've never written fewer notes. I have a page I and a half so many, total. I have so many notes. <laughs> Usually, I have like eight pages of plot. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. and then Rango goes into. Th- so here's what Rango's doing. <laughs> I can't believe you had more about Rango than this. <laughs> there's so much. There's so I, much by going a wide on. mark, like like a like a magnitude of order. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, before we start, there's uh, there's this, the, the intro sequence, you know, Paramount, 20th Century Productions, whatever. We have the Paramount intro, right? With the stars and, like, the mountains and everything. But instead of Paramount, it says King Turd Productions. That uh, went right past me. <laughs> Underneath, because Paramount and Viacom suck. I mean... That's fine. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, it's consistent. And then <laughs> Ask Goblin Pictures... That's, that's so, <laughs> you know, he really does look like nothing more than an ass goblin. <laughs> that's exactly who we're watching. But then we get the dream sequence. Once we've hit the level of the movie, we once we've stated with the with that logo, this ain't your granddad's movie. Sure. We start in with the dream sequence. Let's be edgy for its own sake. Sure. Exactly. I don't know. I, I appreciate any any production that tells me so so immediately whether or not I should be watching. Oh, I, I love production gags for sure. Oh, 
Viv, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dream opens up with a bunch of King of the Hill extras running at the camera. I wasn't expecting that because I'd just gone from watching Beavis and Butthead cartoons and they have a very unique art style. Mm-hmm. And this looks like King of the Hill until Beavis and Butthead show up. Yeah, I was like, oh, are we going to have actual like realistic-ish proportions and things? King of the Hill started in 1997. This came out in 1996. So yeah, you can trial see- run. He's starting to head toward that kind of uh, that kind of animation. I don't know how in detail do you want to get into this dream sequence. I just write we start with a kaiju dream sequence and then they wake up. Like I, I don't need to go into this. I, I do want to mention one point because I think it it comments upon that ad libbing humor that I kind of enjoy. Because so I like the way they intersperse immature playfulness with something more serious. So, and I think this reflects the way that Beavis and Butthead relate to pop culture is that they're huge, you know, they're probably movie junkies of things like King Kong and Godzilla. They probably have watched those and think they are <laughs> cool, mm-hmm. but they're only, the only way that they can interact with it is in a very mundane, immature way. So when tanks fire on a gigantic butthead... His only his only reaction is, ow, oh, cut it out, butthole. <laughs> and like to have kaiju stuff going on with kaiju music and to have that be his reaction, the distance between those two is very funny to I me. Got, I gotta say, it hits a lot better when you say it than when he says it. Oh, well, I, thank you very much. <laughs> I think because you're putting a little Mike bit judge, of Judge, take there. notes. Take notes, Mike Judge. But <laughs> I, I, I like the disparity between the situation they're in and what they're bringing to it. Sure. But yeah, it it reveals that he was just dreaming, Beavis shakes him awake, and their TV was stolen. And they're going to solve the crime. The only impetus of a plot that could get them to do anything. Mm -hmm. Because remember when TV was the most brain-destroying thing that we had access to? Not like, you know, constant misinformation (laughs) beamed directly into our pockets. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, you know, ADHD medication or Dungeons & Dragons being Satan. Well, yeah. well, I mean, I think you'll find the congressional investigation did find Dungeons & Dragons was the devil. Well, yeah, but it was cool. It was, the it cool was so cool. It's still cool. He wasn't the pitchfork devil. He was like the guy, he was like the lounge singer smoking a cigar kind of devil. Yeah, like, he was. Me. He was like the, de- the devil from, uh, he was the devil from, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, sock, Waisaki. You know, you, you know the guy. Uh, no idea what Hulu. you're talking about. Um, the the soul, the de- not dead like me. It was a show. God damn it, I can't remember it. It's gonna bother <laughs> I have, me. I have nothing. <laughs> this will bother me forever. He, I don't know. He's just a very affable devil. Call me Dev. <laughs> I'm the devil. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it later and put it in the show notes. Um. So yeah, they decided to solve the crime of who stole their TV, but it just turns into like. We're going to steal some TVs? <laughs> yeah, it turns into an episode of Beavis and Butthead if it was better plotted. Yeah, um, there is a little intro sequence, which is pretty good because they they just ripped off Shaft. They'll chew you up and spit you out beyond a doubt. It pays not to mess with Yes, they, they did rip off Shaft, and because of the animation, it looks an awful lot like Stroker and Hoop right now. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about Stroker and Hoop. <laughs> yep. It's, it's very similar art style. Yeah, you. I mean, like, for all the crap I give it, you can clearly see the influence of this show specifically on a lot of Adult Swim. Oh, yeah, and, like, 
there's a lot of stuff that we like from that influence. Like, I think Stroker and Hoop is generally a pretty good show. I only remember one episode where they're, like, trapped in a car and they're, like, hallucinating pee fumes. <laughs> but maybe that's not the uh, best yeah, representation. I think Ron, Ron Howard showed up as the main antagonist. I, I don't right. remember. It's pretty crazy. Th- this this whole pedigree is just riddled with problems. Yeah, but uh, they, 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 they have the intro sequence, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, they go to steal the TV from the AV room in their high school. It's unclear whether it's a weekend or not. Classes aren't going on, but the teachers are there. Yeah. Oh, man. This this old, like, CRT TV, like, on that desk, like, on that swivel, that like, that took me back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the 90s, right? So. I watched the 9-11 footage on that thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I just well, got told to go home. Oh, no. We got to hug, see you go first. Go home and hug your parents. Oh, cool. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, that's a watershed moment. It's uh, maybe, maybe they maybe teachers recognize, hey, this is the last time we'll be able to, you know, actually practice our freedoms. So uh, get it, get get it while it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. Um, yeah. So there's some nonsense dialogue that's going on here for a while where they're talking to the, the Mr. Simmons teacher. I get the feeling like we're seeing the chorus of the show here. I don't think this teacher got you know, all the respect he was due, because I, I think he was really trying his... I wouldn't have the... I've, I've taught in a high school. I didn't have as much patience for this type than, than he did. I... So here's where it gets good, though. He's like, you can't take the TV, go put it back. He fucking leaves without confirming that they put the TV back, <laughs> and so they just... They walk out. You know, they're so, really fine boys at heart. They're just a little misguided. <laughs> well, think about this. This is the... This is, the, this is the core of the criticism that Mike Judge is bringing to it. Yes, there are horrible gremlins that should not see the light of day or be allowed to do simple things like cross the street. <laughs> However, the reaction to that by the teachers is to accept boys will be boys and to not follow up on them because it's like it's too much trouble. Like part of the criticism here is that no one really knows how to deal with this generation either. Like they don't know... They keep, they're they trying to teach them. Some of them try to teach treat them like adults. Some of them try to treat them like little kids. No one knows how to deal with these guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that's pretty powerful. I mean, as as a teacher, I definitely ran into that issue of like, what what level of human are you? And how do I have to process that? Maybe you should have opened with that. What level of human are you? <laughs> I'm a level five human, thanks. But uh, presumably you had to like ask yourself the question, is this someone who would respond well to authority or to kindness or to putting your foot down, clear boundaries? Like, no I guess one... that's why I felt so much sympathy for this guy, because so much of that process is itself prescribed by, you know, the system that you're working in. That's true. But I, I mean, I, on the microscopic level, in this just this interaction, we have teacher who tells them to put it back doesn't actually watch them put it back. They don't put it back. The teacher did not know how to deal with them. There, there are exam like there are students and like where like the things they're doing, and I'm sure this is true of like toddlers as well. The things they're doing are so mind-bogglingly different from the scope of things you thought you would have to deal with today <laughs> that you just kind of can't. <laughs> oh, I was uh, I was a weird little monster in both high school and college and grad school. Like I didn't. I had some. There are some aspects of my 
you know, life where I remember having some Beavis and Butthead like misunderstandings of how I was supposed to behave in society, like shadow boxing while proctoring an exam. Didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that, and I can't imagine why that why I thought that that was okay to me. I will give this movie credit that it's making me reflect on everything about my life. <laughs> well, well, there um, you go. So they they break the TV, so they get expelled. Yeah, it's. It's just an episode of Beavis and Butthead. There's no plot happening here. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're just fucking up. Also, the, the principal is like, you're expelled. The two adults have now interacted with them in a way that has no power over them. They don't know what constitutes a real threat to these kids. Sure. Again, just, just pointing it out. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not working on the level that the, you know, Beavis and Butthead operate on. Because it's a terrible level. <laughs> it's a terrible level, but a lot of people are in that level. Sure. Of, like, why should I care? Well, society hopes you will because the economy needs to happen. Like, that's not a good enough reason for a large swath of the population, and they are in their rebellious phase. You need to get, come up with a better reason. Uh, and immediately followed up with, they see an old woman in an RV, and they talk to her for a minute, and she just lets them in. On the assumption that they're repairmen. Yeah. How like how you can't give them too not, much you credit know, either. Trust other people. Well, I mean, like I don't know, like I'm, I'm they don't to, look like, like they don't look like repairmen. <laughs> like, I'm fine complain like taking issue with the abuses of authority and the lack of oversight and the lack of, you know, time and resources that these adults have to actually deal with this. But in no way do I consider like them a bigger problem than these two protagonists. I I understand your point. I'm just saying it's not as though they are the ones who are in the right and everyone else is in the wrong. Everyone's in the wrong. But the point (laughs) is that they're not they're You, they're not interacting with them in a way that is helpful. Like, they don't understand where these kids are coming from, and so all interactions with them are just fundamentally dysfunctional. I, I, I resist the idea that Beavis and Butthead operate on so deep a level that they can be interacted with. <laughs> like, like, no, like, yeah, in theory, people with more authority should work harder to interact with and understand and operate on a level that the people beneath them can understand. But I, like... They are there pretty is resistant. a minimum qualifier <laughs> beyond which you just have to say, like, just go over there. Please try not to break anything. You know, I, I, I you don't belong in society. <laughs> I, I'm not sure because, like, there are circumstances in this movie, and you can owe it up to plot allowance, where they do follow directions. And I'm interested at why they follow those directions, but not these directions. I think the directions just need to make sense to them. And yes, this is distilled, this is a distilled, like, look into this generation of slacker Gen Xers. I'll, I'll, I'll stop So they are, many... like, a little bit more concentrated. I'll stop having as many objections. I ask that you choose your battles widely because <laughs> it's very hard for me to give these guys any kind of credit. I'm not giving them credit, though, Zane. I'm just, I'm just saying that no one knew, knows how to deal with them, and that is also part of That's my judgment. That's the same point. thing, though. No, it's not. <laughs> Look, you don't have to give credit to the slacker kids, but you do have to acknowledge that they are people that are part of society that you can't merely wish were different. I don't think that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Okay. I I may be missing your point to some degree then. 
I, I, I don't want to get into a whole thing. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll accept. I'll try to pick my battles more wisely. There, there, there were times as a teacher when there was such a gap between the concepts I needed to get them to understand in terms of like why the things they were trying to do were so far beyond the pale that if they didn't stop, I would have to like, like basically have them completely removed from the society that is the school. And there's no, there was no way for me to get that through to them with the tools I had. And like, that's a very hard thing for me to come to and say, like, I should have more empathy for these gremlins. I, I, (laughs) well, I mean, not, not in general for these two specifically who are deliberately designed (laughs) to be as unempathetic as possible. I stand by my right to hate these two (laughs) and I will refuse any attempt (laughs) That, that is true. This is the bottom. As long as we're not at the bottom, we can have... I guess the difference is having empathy versus having empathy and using it. Like, I, I've had, like, why don't you care more about the kids or try to work on their level weaponized me against me so often that oh. I am de- very defensive about it. I, I apologize. That's not <laughs> what I'm doing here. I'm not trying to come at you with, you should care about Beavis and Butthead. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is that I don't think it's incidental that multiple different kinds of adults, none of them have any idea, idea what to do with this generation. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm I, not I saying don't that, I'm not saying that. that there's a correct way to deal with them. I'm just saying that no one has any idea of how to... They, you know, they're all coming from their own generation, the way that things were, uh, the way that they were raised, how they interpret other people in their worldview... And just none of it is mapping onto these guys. They are alien. I, I don't deny that Gen X is a valid experience, but like, you gotta give the other people a little credit. I, I'm not giving. <laughs> like, that, like I'm this, not saying that this, it's this their fault. Work, this work deliberately avoids giving credit to any of the parties involved, and it's so hard for me as a person who tries to see the good in people to look at this as anything other than like flipping the bird and taking a dump on society because you can't be bothered to care like that is all i see in this okay i i mean like you, you, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that that's invalid like that makes sense it makes sense that you would struggle with that um i th- i think that both of our points of view are are pretty valid in terms of this i hope that you can at least understand where i'm coming from not in that it's their fault for not being able to empathize with these gremlins these ass goblins, as it were, but just that they don't have the tools in no, order I, to. I, they don't. They cannot speak their language. Fundamentally, I totally agree, and I and I get where you're coming from, and I I like. I am not attacking you. I swear. This, I swear, this, I am not attacking. If you. this were presented another way, I might even empathize and understand it more directly. It's just, you know, the way it's portrayed is not a way that. It's not speaking to me in a way that I can understand, and I've managed a lot in our 150 episodes. <laughs> well, then you should be, you should be, uh, you know, you should be, uh, you you are the Beavis and Butthead of this episode, because no one knows how to speak your language, Sam. I can only know hate. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get to the plot. Let's, let's yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to. I don't, to... I, no, I, I don't want to nitpick these guys at every turn, but just like. No, this is important. <laughs> like, this is an important you know, conversation to have out the gate so that we can get to the rest of it. Like, why did it have to be this way? <laughs> well, in any case, there's proto-Hank Hill. Yeah, yeah, it, they break into his camper van to break his TV. I just like that the genesis of all of King and the Hill, one of my favorite sitcoms, the first 
I, I was not expecting him. And then it's literally Kank Hill's voice because it's just uh, Mike Judge. And it's somebody talking about... Butane. Like, uh, talking about butane, pro- Mr. Propane and propane accessories himself. I will be honest. I didn't realize that this came out before King of the Hill. I assumed that this was a parody... Like to directly make fun of his other work because no, it seems like no, a Mike this, Judge move. He liked it so much that he's like, "I'm just going to do this from now on." <laughs> uh, in any case, they they fuck up the TV that's in the camper and they go to a motel. The first three scenes are all of them trying to find a TV and just fucking up other people's days, mm-hmm. which is on brand. Uh, when they get to the motel, there's a quick moment where they walk in on the principal who is in the middle of a BDSM session with uh, somebody he hired for the night to do that. Yeah, presumably. Sure. Yeah, we gotta make we we haven't made fun of this authority figure enough. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of a commentary on them as well because in that way that they constantly are giggling through all the weird experiences they're going on through this movie, there's this incredibly awkward and arguably embarrassing situation, and the only thing they say is, can we watch your TV? In the midst of an active BDSM session where they are not expected, they mm-hmm. like open the door, it's like, damn it, Beavis and Butthead, get out of here! Can we watch your TV? He, like, she's still spanking him. <laughs> Their yeah. reaction to it is so alien. It's, it's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> Um, I, I, so I think that is also commentary on them for like not understanding the social cues inherent in this moment. It it, it's, it killed me, I <laughs> honestly. I just don't understand the impetus behind that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, but it really slayed me. Uh, they, they go into the uh, room with a drunk guy who's trying to hire a hitman, Muddy Waters, a.k.a. Bruce Willis. Yeah, somebody told him that he'd send a couple of young guys around to, uh, you know, do his wife. Yeah, and there's there's a little bit of fun dialogue here that I like a lot, which is, what are your names? Butthead. Beavis. Ah, that's all right. I'd rather not know your real names anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pretty funny like, little back and forth. Sure, sure. <laughs> it did feel pretty, like, Simpsons-y. There, there's good dialogue in here. Oh, yeah. I, I think most of it is actually, like, fairly well-written. Um, I, I think so, I think it's just like the the nuts and bolts of Beavis and Butthead that you are rebelling against, and not necessarily the composition at as a whole well yes and the fact that this can't be expressed properly without those nuts and bolts yes um (laughs) those nuts and nuts he he tells them you know are you going to do my wife and they're like yeah sure so now they're on a quest beavis slow on the uptake remarks no i just want to watch tv (laughs) (laughs) i think it's very funny (laughs) there's none of the situation i'm paying you ten thousand dollars to do my wife no man we're 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 trying to find the tv like he's just so single-minded yeah, it's... <laughs> so, yeah, so the title of the film means they're either going to fuck or kill the country. Um, or marry the country. Depends right, yeah. what the other two options are. <laughs> right, those are those are your only three verbs. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they, they think that they're supposed to have sex with her. Uh, he wants them to kill her, and they're not even the right guys, and he just puts them on a plane. Like, I agree... Everybody else is also very irresponsible in this film. Yeah, and, and if I can break to my, you know, kind of uh, SJW mindset for just a moment, um, the notion of a hitman and these guys talk, uh, that these, these guys discussing payment to have sex and or kill their his wife is a little uncomfortable given that the wife's not in the picture and is like potentially like a power dynamic they're setting up but they're so impotent in every sense of the word that i never actually felt that much that much difficulty with that notion i mean if i was going to set up you know a clandestine meeting between myself and someone else and the concept was i didn't know them i would probably go through an intermediary 
I, I feel like you're missing the point, and I don't mind. <laughs> Let's just continue to the airport. <laughs> yeah, so we get some airplane shenanigans. Oh, uh, on the way to the airport, the guy, uh, Muddy Waters, tells them to get a black bag as part of their assassination. This is going to be plot-relevant later. Con- uh, Context-relevant uh, asks if they have any questions, and they return fire with, does she have big hooters? And at this point, I think I've got the formula down. One. Real world situation happens. Can be irregular, but it's in the real world. Two, it amount it involves some amount of explanation that is too complex for Beavis and Butthead to follow. Three, person asks, and this is vital, if Beavis and Butthead have any questions, which is a basically the comedy equivalent of putting the ball on the tee. And then they are saying, hey, you've set up this situation really well. It makes sense in any other world. We are still watching TV here. So our, you know, train of thought is entirely is entirely perpendicular to what you're talking about. Uh, and that's the joke. They just respond as though they're watching it through TV. Yeah, that, that joke construction to me is so worn and tired by this point. It's that, so like, low-hanging fruit. It's, it's one step above puns. Yeah, like, I, 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 I honestly can't. And it's so much of the dialogue. It's a lot. It is a lot of it. <laughs> It, it was a big barrier to entry for me. I, I, I respect that. Some of the comedy is physical, too, um, which I appreciate because it wasn't just slapstick, but, like, the image of them trying to get their seatbelts on and just fundamentally not understanding how seatbelts work. No, there's no dialogue, but they're just, like, trying to get their seatbelts on by clicking the two, like, the, 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 the two... Uh, the two parts that don't go together together, punctuated I, with little goddammits from Beavis. I swear to God, this is where I thought they would have dialogue. Like, nah, you got two dong parts. Yeah, well, it seems like that, but I just, just the image of them like clacking them together and just Beavis, goddammit. Just like the little nattering that they do just, just won me over. Yeah. I, and I, it's just subjective. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I'm not, I'm not arguing for it. I'm just. I'm noting that I had fun with that. Moment. I don't mean to get as offended as I'm being. You're, you're <laughs> I just not, don't understand how a, like you're not reading as offended. You're reading as somebody for whom this did not hit. I just That's it. I, it's so hard for me to imagine this hitting anyone. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm interested because like there's a few points in this movie that I would be like pretty surprised if you didn't get anything out of. So I let's got a continue. couple chuckles. Yeah, that's uh, good. So we have Let some, me know when they were, because I want to hear about them. We have some airplane shenanigans. Uh, there's that's, an old lady. That's all it is. <laughs> who's going to show up again a, a lot. She's like, oh, man, old people are so out of touch and lame. And they, they love can't her. hear well. <laughs> they love her. Like She loves them. I, I, it's, it's interesting that they everyone... They barely regard other people as existing. <laughs> well, here's something cool. One generation removed from them, there's no, there's no doing. Like, mm-hmm. there's no understanding each other two generations removed suddenly they're like besties <laughs> like they're they're hype when they see her again she's like oh it's that old girl yeah, cool. yeah yeah well like, because she doesn't they're ask just any, friends now she doesn't require anything of them she right. accepts them for who they are because she doesn't she literally doesn't understand who they are yeah and she probably just has no stake in who they are <laughs> like no, she's, notably, she's kind of past it notably even though they do feel listened to nothing changes <laughs> Uh, I do like how, like, in a regular movie, I would be irritated by all the time that they're wasting up here, but the movie by this point has staged its terms of, they've drawn the battle lines. Yes, we're going to have a a scene change every five minutes, and we're going to watch them dick around in a new location. (laughs) That's it. 
That's it. And so true to form, Beavis takes a bunch of old person pills and Butthead tries to flirt with a flight attendant. I have that all written down like verbatim. Like there's no like additional contrivances that could possibly be analyzed. No, they're just five minutes airplane. Go. What what do you think of Beavis's cornholio bit? I don't care for the cornholio bit. I hate it. Yep. (laughs) I think it's I think it's terrible. Like I this is one aspect I think we'll agree on is because that is a very era specific joke that this is specifically i think for the people who like the cornholio bit in the um in the show yeah it's it's a reference it was in the show. that is a non sequitur that is toilet humor like it is the trifecta, trifecta of old yeah. humor <laughs> yeah and like i don't necessarily dislike that beavis is the one who comes up with it because he is the more tv adult idiot of the two yeah i found him more onerous I can I can see that. Um, I, I think I like the degree to which he is divorced from reality. Is that just that's what's playing in his head all the time? Sure. It never stops. It doesn't matter what's going. It doesn't matter if in the White House or being gunned down by ATF. He is always there's part of his brain that's just always this. Mm-hmm. So and so it it plays the, back into that we are removed from reality because of how much TV we watch kind of this thing. this is a major factor of why it's so hard for me to relate to these guys because on the one hand like this is clearly a child suffering from something serious and like not able to operate in the real world but at the same time I just hate him so much <laughs> and like that combo makes it really hard for me to grapple on anything I wonder if you had spent less time in uh, as a teacher with kind of that kind of age group. Uh, if it would be as sharp. Maybe. Because, like, all I can see is funny cartoon character that is divorced enough from the real world that it's easy to laugh at. Yeah, see, when I, when I see this, it reminds me of things I saw that meant I had to do a lot more work that day. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that is a, that's a high humor tax. <laughs> uh, I so empathize. They, they almost crashed the plane. Yep, doesn't matter how it happens. The next scene happens. And, like, the fact that... Here's the thing. The fact that they almost crash a plane, but they don't, and it has no consequences beyond that... <laughs> they is, just walk out of the terminal. <laughs> is, ...is really telling for how this works. That's very funny to me. <laughs> because I don't know. It's just the whole world operates on this sitcom logic. There, Like, any chunk of this movie didn't need a movie around it. No, I, but I mean, could you do a Beavis and Butthead movie that was any different? No, but you, that's like, <laughs> but this shouldn't exist. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anyway, yeah, they get picked up by their contact in Las, Las Vegas. So now we're in the we're in Las Vegas. We're doing Las Vegas hijinks section of the movie. <laughs> yes, uh, and that that's going to be the tenor of this. It's it sort of read to me as like a throwback to, or even a critique, maybe not a critique, but a satire, because that's the way Beavis and Butthead runs. A satire of things like um, uh, a Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. which it uses the con- the histor- like the cultural context of America in different places or across the ages with a single through line to kind of oh, connect it la- all. Last week it was the Brady Bunch, but Jan got a job working at the ice cream store. This week it's the Brady Bunch, but uh, Mark has, you know, he's working at the Build-A-Bear workshop. Uh, I'm not I'm not talking about, like, specifically each episode relates to a different culture thing. I'm saying a single movie tying together multiple different cultural touchstones across America. And the way we do that is first they're starting out in their rural towny life. Mm-hmm. Now we're in Las Vegas. Then we're going to be at like uh, Old Faithful. Like we're just going through America doing different things with the same character. Like um, sort of like Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. 
Wait, is that a real one or is that a joke? Because that sounds like That's a great amazing. movie. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that you didn't know that that was a movie. That's very funny. Uh, wait, wait, really? Yeah, that's the second Harold and Kumar movie. You're it was kidding. Really bad. They made a second one? Yeah, they, they, they didn't know when to stop. It was like Clerks 2. but uh, They made but, a Clerks 2? <laughs> is this like a... Like a um, uh, what's their names? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2 that like apparently no. exists but I haven't seen... No, it, I mean, like, it's a similar, I mean, it, it's sort of a similar thing in that it's like a cultural medley, but in space instead of time. Oh, like Zoolander 2. I don't know anything about Zoolander 2, my dude. It's a, it's a cultural medley unstuck in space and time. What, do they just go through to, like, male modeling conventions through the, all the different places in history? The first half is like a summary of every cultural change that would take somebody off guard in the 15 years since the first one was made. And then the second half is just they did the plot of the first one, but better. I am the only person who liked Zoolander 2. <laughs> I'm just imagining the person who liked Zoolander 2, but not Beavis and Butthead, and it's it's a little amazing. <laughs> yeah, the Venn diagram is very thin. <laughs> yeah, you might as well just have some, like, trick rings right there. It's it's me and a space alien whose, like, visual spectrum is limited to very specific colors. <laughs> a space alien. I, I you, you could describe us like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, shall we continue? Uh, yeah, so we... Um, let's see here. There are some so, back and so, forths in this that don't make it easy to describe. So we might get the chronology slightly off, but but take solace. None of this matters. None of this matters. There is a, a funny bit of dialogue as they come out of the airport, which is Beavis says, this is boring. I thought there'd be casinos and lights and stuff. This, <laughs> oh, isn't, like very, this isn't very good. He doesn't recognize that it's not a casino. It's <laughs> he just doesn't recognize that there's a there's an airport in Las Vegas and that it still is an airport Again, and not a conceptually casino. conceptually a joke I like. Presentationally, mm-mm. <laughs> this isn't very good. And then they dick around with the... Uh, with the guy who has the card, like that, the, that that one exist? was that one was that one was tiresome to me. <laughs> do, do those guys still exist? The guys who hold up the cards for like you to come off the plane with? I've never been the kind of person for whom that would be necessary. I assume it exists for like certain people, VIPs in, in the know, like well, people who have like agents, you know, mm-hmm. people who have stuff that sets stuff up. Like they haven't talked to the specific cabbie who would be picking them up. Presumably, I would feel... they take limos. At that uh, at that economic echelon, I would feel so complimented if somebody did that for me. Just in the the, the difficulty with the last name spelling, <laughs> or the no, first name spelling, like they they would have to think that they were getting Ashton Kutcher. It's the thought that counts, Ben. <laughs> okay, um, they do a funny joke here when they get to the casino, which is one that they do. It's a it's a running gag. It's a continual joke. I think that this is the funniest joke in the whole sh- in the whole movie. Ooh. Where there's a big pan across a bouncing casino full of energy, lots of vices, energy, stimuli, and then it goes to Beavis and Butthead and they are focusing on a topless statue, ignoring all of the cool stuff. Uh-huh. And they're just looking at a topless statue. Like the reveal is paced really well. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty funny joke just like how myopic they are. And it's all set to a uh, uh, roller coaster, the song. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird because, like, this feels like a music video. Like they do it for like the length of the whole song. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's. I mean, like, and that that is cleaving to its roots, right? They it, yeah. They they started out critiquing and making fun of music videos and just talking during them. It is. <laughs> yeah, put that way, it's kind of like 
watching a movie with the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys and how badly that would go for me. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's good to see their kind of hierarchy of things that they can possibly pay attention to, which is like TV, but then it's like, oh, boobs. I also think it's maybe a subtle critique at the people for whom that stimuli and the landmarks are impressive worthy of attention kind of monuments like they go to old faithful in mount rushmore later and i'm not a person who does tourist traps but i feel some irritation that people go to a place just to like look at the cool thing and in in the process just ignoring the cool things all around them you know like these these cultural pieces are put on a pedestal because of some like biggest ball in twinest minnesota like this is the this is the most of it or this is the best of it i can't imagine like planning a trip to go see old faithful but i can imagine that like if i happen to be right near old faithful yeah i'm gonna get a little invested (laughs) i i can't help but have a little affection for the person who goes to the goes to the grand canyon and is unimpressed with the statues but finds a cool beetle to look at yeah, yeah. Like, there's I mean, an I, innocence of exploration there that I think is just not commonly captured. So I felt a little bit of that with these panning across at things that normal people think is important. And they're just focused on whatever makes them happy. Which, in this case, is a topless statue. Which is, yeah, you know... I, I, I can, it's I can no respect less exactly valid. half of that. <laughs> it's no less valid, is my point. Sure. Um, we do get a like, a, like a cut, like a meanwhile, back at the motel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where Muddy meets the guys who were supposed to do the job. And I think this is a clever bit of plotting because these are the same guys that stole Beavis and Butthead's TV. Mm-hmm. And they offer to sell it to Muddy since he earlier shot the one in the motel. Yeah. But then Muddy drives away and it causes the TV to break. And it just feels very karmic and like, like this felt like the sophistication of a South Park episode. Where things kind of fold in on themselves, so even if they don't have a point, it kind of seems like they do. It felt kind of Dickens-ish, I guess, just because everybody knows everybody in multiple different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's like, fairly obvious, you know, foreshadowing. Oh, their TV is just going to get left there. Ah, I wonder if they'll find it by the end of the movie. You know, it, yeah, it's I did, a little it, bit obvious. Yeah, that didn't occur to me because it broke. A, a broken TV is fundamentally worthless. Uh, I I don't know. It was like pretty junky to begin with. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that would have mattered terribly to them. Uh, so back at the casino, mm-hmm. the cops show up. Well, they get taken up to the hotel room. Oh, first. that's right. They get taken up to the hotel room and they find because this is the this was the uh, this was the plan that Muddy gave them. It's like, hey, we're gonna book you a hotel room. You're gonna go. You're gonna be right next to my wife in the hotel room. So just go through the door and kill her. They go through the door because they hear a hot chick on the other side. I totally forgot that those room connector doors in hotels exist because I've yeah. never used them. If you if you were if you had never experienced a hotel before, which is not an unreasonable thing for you know people in Beavis and Butthead's you know kind of financial circumstance, they may have never been in a hotel. This could maybe blow their minds. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't mind this because like. Yeah, oh, wow, look, this is a hotel room. Look at all these beds. Look at the TV. Look at the, you know, uh, connecting door thing. And the guy, the bellhop's just like, can I Can I have a tip? Like, that's the normal cultural thing here. And they're like, man, look at this room that we don't own, but we're allowed in. <laughs> Why is this weirdo standing here? It makes sense. It makes perfect sense through their pretty limited lens. And this is like, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it's 
it's a little silly, but it's also like I kind of get it. The, the fact <laughs> like, that they're fish out sense. of water in this situation buys me the like empathy that I need to accept this. Uh, that's big of you, Zane. <laughs> I feel big. Yeah. Uh, in any case, they feel big because the woman who gets paid, who they get paid to do, Dallas, uh, finds them and offers them twenty dollars in account. This is a counter twenty thousand or twenty thousand dollars. Uh, this is a this is a counter offer to kill Muddy instead. Beavis and Butthead, being Beavis and Butthead, don't quite grasp the situation, and that's that's it. it. This, this is the first time where like we're in a different movie now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, like spy drama was the furthest thing from my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cops show up, presumably for her, and she, seeing that, decides she has to stash. Okay, who boy. Uh, she goes to her black bag and retrieves an item that's like a little spy device that's shaped like a matchbook and has like a nuclear radiation, a biohazard symbol on the front. And the inside of it looks like an iPod shuffle with two mini nukes instead of a screen. <laughs> and she just like stitches them into Beefus's little shorts, his little short shorts that for some reason he and Butthead never stop wearing. And yeah, like I, I that just none of that was... This is all emergent details. <laughs> like, I wasn't yeah. thinking of bioweapon up until this point. It's it's kind of wild, because, like, oh, you know, drunk, angry guy is mad at his wife and wants to have her killed. Like, yeah, con- conceptually, that's like a... That's a Beavis and Butthead level event. Yeah, that like, the scale is of a type where, like, oh, he's paying them $10,000. That feels a little low for this type of work. But, okay, he's doing the, you know, he's paying for it. He's paying for the hotel room, all that sort of thing. So, and, yeah, and, I can understand that. Up to, like... And also, like, he's uh, a drunk with an ex-wife who he wants to murder. That's not necessarily removed from the kind of... Uh, the, the kind of structure that they're in. They're in, you know, a pretty rural setting. And, like, that, that is kind of the economic echelon that they're, that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels a little bit Ozark. Like, I think the, it, makes, it makes sense there, that there we're dealing with that kind of thing. There is a hierarchy of murder in media where it's like, <laughs> like, you're conceiving of a person as having a certain value when you hire a hitman to, to, to kill them. And you're like, okay, like, that's the level that we're dealing with. And all of a sudden, by introducing this, like, bioweapon you have jumped several orders of magnitude in terms of like how important this person is and there was no like there was no foreshadowing for that <laughs> it yeah, really hiring, threw me hiring out a hit a on way. your ex-wife is the sort of situation that belong that beavis and butthead are not equipped to handle but it's in the same realm of activity yeah, yeah. we're on the same scale here. It's not Spider-Man fighting Thanos all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a different... <laughs> it's like the scale doesn't make any sense. And that, that... I don't know. It just... It came out of nowhere and is never really remarked upon in any capacity in the foreground. And this is like, when this we start having scenes... This is all background details. It's very This is when funny. we start having scenes that don't have Beavis and Butthead, and it feels like an actual movie at that point. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. It's like there's a plot now. Um, the, but they she get comes a, back into the room. Yeah. I want to point out this one moment when they come back into the when she comes back into the room and she tells them we're gonna do it, and rather than like trying to instigate anything, they just stand there giggling about how they're gonna how they're gonna score. And it, mm-hmm. at this point, it was like, oh, they don't know what that means. <laughs> they, <laughs> they actually don't have any idea what it means to score with a woman. <laughs> they're just like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, this, it's cool. <laughs> We're totally gonna score. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's it's remarked upon later. This is confirmed later. They don't actually know 
what it means to squirt with them. They're dogs chasing cars. They don't actually know why they want the thing that they want. They they're were so, just told by TV to want this thing. Yeah, they're so addled by media. It's very, like, like Johnny Bravo toxic masculinity elemental. And there's, there's that level where you as the audience have to connect it that actually makes it, like, more engaging. How do you mean? Because when, like, oh, they don't get something and the show is telling me that they don't get something and I recognize that they don't get something, that's a level that's kind of too boring for me. But, like, they don't get something and I have to recognize it. I don't you, know, have to, it you have to tie it back to who they are as, like, TV junkies. It's, it's surprising. People by the TV, yeah. It's surprising even for them that they don't get this. <laughs> You you would because it's they're so obsessed about sex, but they don't know what sex is. They're just like I I want the sex because sex is what TV peddles, but I don't have any money, so I can't buy the sex. Where can I stockpile some sex? Now now it feels like a critique of media and consumerism rather than a critique of like you know dumb people who don't know what to do. And Zane, it very well might be. There's, who knows? Like, it's it's a little hard to tell after a while where All the critique opinions is. are bad, including mine, so you can't judge me. I'm <laughs> South Park. I can't Mike judge you. We might be libertarians. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's not preachy. It's just like this is... All, all of these viewpoints are ridiculous within their own context. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that the middle... The, the problem with the South Park is just that the middle ground is correct. I don't. I don't think Beavis and Butthead ever really asserts that it's the middle ground that's correct. Hmm. It just says we're all, we're all, we're all, we're all running off of set of preconceived notions, and none of them really fit what we're doing. It, we like our preconceived notions about what the youth are doesn't fit Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead's notion don't fit what the world is like. What the world is like doesn't really fit what you know local. like rural american life is like like nobody is operating from the same set of givens yeah yeah, and that that's the critique yeah i mean in like uh, i i refuse to get sidetracked too far i will say (laughs) i'm just saying i I prefer this to south park because it's not preachy and it doesn't assert that the middle ground is correct like in like in south park it's like oh this is the line we've been sold here's the reality uh we we have to deal with the fact that those two things aren't the same whereas here it's like the thing we've been told doesn't matter, and the reality doesn't matter, because you won't understand it anyway. The, I, I don't think that's the difference. I think the difference between this and South Park is South Park is like, hey, smoking is probably bad, but also being so opposed to smoking is also bad. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Or like, hey, listen, gun control, like guns are bad, but having too much gun control is ridiculous. Maybe the truth is killing half people, half the people in the world. Like, it, it asserts after that breakdown that the middle's right. We just, we, just, we just don't get anywhere. No, but like, and, that, and maybe that's the part I'm, I'm grappling with a little, I'm having an easier time with, is that we don't end up anywhere. We just, <laughs> a set of criticisms. Is that and they then tell it you at the beginning it. that's what's going to happen. They, they, yeah, they, they, they do foreshadow it appropriately, you have to admit. Uh, so, um, so this is yeah. the point where like the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms mm-hmm. is starting to uh, uh, get involved with the plot and they want to track down Dallas because they're concerned about this bioweapon and they eventually figure out that it's Beavis and Butthead. They they do all these kinds of things to try and stop them from getting to Washington, D.C., but they do anyway because they're, you know, classic, you know, 20s cartoon characters where they just like walk on a railing and they end up in the right place. I do want to point out that when she tells them to go to Washington, D.C., where, where she'll be waiting... They just fucking scuttle out. 
Yeah, they don't. They don't argue. They're just like, oh, okay, yeah. Like you're speaking our language. We want the sex. We don't know what it is, but we clearly want it. So you gave us a very simple command, and you (laughs) assured us that you would take care of the rest. Yeah, you you gave us commands that one we understood, and two are are you know are motivated by. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that maybe is is the part that connects it back to why they weren't paying attention to the teacher. It's like the, the the commands didn't make sense to them. I'm not saying the teacher's wrong. I'm just why, saying. Why would I want to be a better person? No, <laughs> yeah, I that just, doesn't get me TV or sex. If all I want is TV, you need to come up with something that's at least as good as TV. How, how do you connect this back to TV is the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just think that's an interesting little insight into what they pay attention to, what reasons make sense. To no, them. no, it, it absolutely is. You know, it's it's the old uh, fable of the of the mule, the, the stubborn mule, where you, you hit it with a two by four to get its attention before you can give it an order. Mm. It's just this this is all two by four. There's no actual order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she has an order. It's uh, to commit uh, industrial espionage. It's fine. It's, not, it's, it's, it's just straight up bioterrorism. It's just straight up bioterrorism. You know, you're right. You're right. Um, so they go to the Hoover Dam. Like well, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they get on a bus that she sent them on, and there's the old lady from the plane on the bus because because it's we didn't get enough of her. Yeah, because it's Charles Dickens' novel. Yes, I don't know. I kind of liked that dynamic of like I, her thinking that Beavis is as a sweet boy, and him thinking that she's a cool old lady. <laughs> I, I, I did like that, and I agree with with the idea that like it's a genera- generational thing. Where like. Hey, now that we don't have that, that our generation isn't tasked with raising these children and like getting them to become good people and we can just like engage with them. Like, again, when I was a teacher, I liked a lot of these kids who I could not teach a damn thing, but I knew what I was being graded on. Sure. I've, I've known many grandparents who, you know, who, who really like the younger generation because they're such scamps. And yeah, like, yeah. I know many adults like many people in my like above my generation in you know the the age that our parents are in that are like pretty stodgy and uncompromising and then you go an age beyond that and like you know in my experience some of them are that but also a lot of them are like a little bit more like accepting that the times have changed cuz they've already seen the ch- times change once they're they're like yeah things will happen bit, whatever <laughs> yeah they're a little bit more like uh, that they they've been through it once before that the times have changed and I am of a different generation and they're a little more accepting of them doing it again I think if somebody messes up this generation I'm not going to be blamed so <laughs> hey I'll just do slots with these kids Ad- adulthood great. is this unfortunate dip in how much mischief you're allowed to enjoy it, someone should have really like ration that shit out <laughs> you know like you all well, ben, we put no, you in ben, jail you can either steal a car or kick me in the ball nobody ben, ever takes teachers- the car as teachers, we try to ration it out. We're like, if you hold off on the mischief now, you can do a lot more later. Well, did you tell them they were going to get laid if they went to Washington, D.C.? That's I what really they need should've. in order to listen, Zane. Yeah, we weren't allowed to talk about that. <laughs> Maybe you so, uh, yeah. Show them this movie. But yeah, Hoover th- Dam. This, this begins the process of them going through all of America, like just stopping at random places, very Forrest Gump-like, mm-hmm. and just like having some experiences there before wandering on. I will and they say. they start with Hoover Dam. I, I am impressed by the fact that, like, by having to go to Las Vegas first and then doing the road trip plot, they neatly avoid ever indicating where Beavis and Butthead live. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, which is weird because it seems like they, well, I mean, they live in Texas. They live in Cause, Highland, Texas. Because most road trip, you know, movies, it's I guess that's why they end. wear short pants all the time. It's a straight shot. Here, right. it's really not, like... 
they definitely go north before they go east, before they go south, before they go east again, right? I think I think it's befitting of their character that it is not linear, mm-hmm. and they they just get distracted by everything. Sure. If they didn't have a bus telling them where to go and some titties at the end of it, I, I don't know if they would have made it. So Hoover Dam, they get bored of the tour and they break into the control room. <gasps> okay, say this is one of those moments where the nattering just killed me. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. The tour guide is saying just factoids about the Hoover Dam. 40,000 tons of concrete were used in the construction of the Hoover Dam. Huh. From top to bottom, the dam is 51 stories. Something. It has a maximum capacity for generating 2.074 megawatts wow. of electricity. Really? But on the average, it generates about 25% of that. Oh, damn. Now, yeah, the, the Hoover Dam generates 2.07 megawatts of electricity. Oh, wow, really? And it's 51 stories tall. Oh, man, I didn't, didn't know that. <laughs> Just like a lot of like <laughs> well, well, vaguely... They, impressive like i don't know what he's saying but there's lots of numbers and he seems interested by it so it must be impressive i i found myself a little engaged at this point where you know he was like and this is this many feet high and and they were like you know that's really not that much <laughs> no but like oh that that's that's at the that's at the yellowstone isn't it right 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 yeah it, but beforehand at at the hoover dam he, the tour guide is just tossing out these i'm gonna pr- put a clip of that in here because i think it's very <laughs> funny the way beavis responds with like being genuinely impressed but he has no idea why yeah well that's that's why i like it when it comes back later and he's like you know that's not actually that much there's there's no basis for comparison he's just and, it's how much he likes the tour guide i think and that is a good criticism because when you go on these tours they don't give you context for things yeah that's that that is true i don't know if that that's a very specific criticism for my judge to give but yeah, that's all i can handle really <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, yeah, so they break into the control room and they cause some havoc and shut off Las Vegas. It's exactly the airplane again. They yes. exist in an environment and eventually it breaks because of the shit that they did. Like now the how is, and why is so unimportant. This is some classic, uh, uh, like old school cartoon stuff though, because the people who are watching them and saying like, oh my God, they're, they're so dangerous. They're, they're so clever. How to sneak out of a place when everyone's watching them. You cut the power. <laughs> this oh, it's is brilliant. so... This is so funny to me. That makes sense, though. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Like, it's, um, I love how the, like, the feds assuming that they're pros in order to escape is, like, this style of joke, it's, like, it's almost, um, it's almost Scooby-Doo sort of failure into success. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, like, a lot of the Rango sequences where the context of the situation, like, it's clear to the audience that they're idiots, but from the limited perspective of one of the other players, they seem like geniuses. We, we and, assume... and they keep on doing that for as long as it's possible. And it's just like the tower of coincidences stacking up is a very funny formula. Yeah. Now that the plot has started, I'm a bit more on board. Uh, we... <laughs> it's been a, it did take a while getting but yeah, there. We, we assume because of TV that criminals and the police and high-ranking government officials are like smart masterminds or at least clever or like have some sort of ability when in fact a lot of them are just dumbasses. And again, this is like society, governmental, you know, institutions don't know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. They ass- they don't assume idiocy because idiocy is like not a way that crime can happen in their limited perspective of like you know, this is the this is the critique, right? Like that they they don't understand that the criminals can be stupid. When they critique power, I love it. It's great. 
yeah, please yeah. do more of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they, they, they when they, they say there's no alternative to this but a dumbass, I'm like, well, there must be. <laughs> <laughs> I I really want to I really want to like find the perfect essay that will let you switch off that part of your brain for this movie to be able to enjoy it more completely. I'm not gonna do that. Like you 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 imbibe it however you need to. Mm. But I'm glad that this part appeals to you because I think it's a funny delivery where yeah. like they're geniuses. How could they know to t- shut off the power? And they just they did it randomly and then wandered off because of disinterest. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but the, they tell us the rest of the plot. That the mini nuke thing that they that Dallas sewed into Beavis's shorts actually has a bioweapon, a virus that they tested on a bunch of ROTC recruits, <laughs> which is like a little morbid and over the top. But given but not some unrealistic, of the, no, given some of the shit that the CIA does with like torture programs, Ugh. like it hit a little close to be like this is the part where I was like, if it's not Beavis and Butthead that are the butt of this joke, it's kind of uncomfortable. Because they look like real people going through some horrible shit. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. it, like it, same thing with the obsession with cavity searches. Like, if it's just a Beavis or a Butthead doing it with the ridiculous face proportions, if they were a top fed and obsessed with cavity searches, it would be different. But this is a person who too closely resembles an aspect of society where people have too much power and abuse it. Yeah. So it's, it's just a little uncomfortable when it's not... Through the, the buffer of a Beavis or a Butthead. And that's the metric on which I actually do a- approve of and appreciate the way that this was that this was handled. Because, yeah, it wouldn't be funny. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't go down. It wouldn't be accessible to so many more people if it hadn't been done in this style. Well, I, I don't think it's accessible now. Specifically sure. because it's coming from a character who looks like a person. We, we were much more trusting people back then, too. I, I, I suppose. <laughs> in 1990s? Yeah, that's surprisingly true. <laughs> imagine telling them that imagine telling that generation you are so trusting of your government my dudes <laughs> what you think you think that you can just slack off and like there will be a program to make sure you don't starve that's so idealistic <laughs> so idealistic what is this social security you're talking about uh so they end up in grand canyon red rocks places with funny names it's just like a like a barrage of funny name signs yeah, they do. They do a montage. I don't hate it. It's like it's on brand. Whatever. It's fine. It's you know, nothing. They you know? recognize that Wyoming is a dumb name. They uh, do another like funny like cut, like a quick cut where the feds say that the capsule has a flaw that makes it easy to break open, and so they like pray to God that nobody hits that capsule. And mm-hmm. it just immediate pans to Butthead kicking Beavis in exactly that spot for no reason at all. Yeah, it's like well. Why wouldn't I kick my friend in the dick? That's this, that's what the show is. <laughs> yeah, our friend, our names are Beavis and Butthead for Christ's sakes. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not you know, oh I'm from another country. It's pronounced Bathied. Like we don't have that. <laughs> but they they do go to the Grand Canyon and we get that pan across the Grand Canyon and then cue looking at Beavis and Butthead giggling at a donkey taking a shit like 15 feet away. Incredible that they got away with this. It's it's again just. 96 I, just, I love this i love this joke where they're looking at a thing that should be awe-inspiring and they're just not interested because their priorities are very different um yeah so at yellowstone they this is old faithful right yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really a nothing scene well they the the point of the scene is they get distracted because instead of the, like you say, instead of the awe-inspiring majesty of nature, it's, you know, automatic toilets. Which, 
I'm already in a weird mood enough. Like, don't get me started on my feelings on automatic toilets. (laughs) (laughs) What am I uncovering in you, Zane? But they get on the wrong bus, and it's one that's full of nuns. Because in the 90s... Because of course it is. Nuns were big comedy. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's this or, like, Inuits. Sister Act. Sister Act 2. Probably others. (laughs) Like... Yeah, it was... It's... Like it was, it was a simpler time before we had to deal with Keith Richards saying the N word or Daniel Tosh doing rape humor. Like nuns were the mainstay. You say Keith Richards, you meant Michael Richards. Michael Richards. I I just sure. want everyone to make sure oh, yeah. let, we're let, not let, accusing let's, Keith let's re- Richards of being <laughs> a racist. Uh, well, I, I don't know what he did, man. You don't know. You yeah, don't I'm know not either. gonna look it up, and neither are you. But uh, but yeah, you you see some of like the 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 comedy trend throughout the ages, <laughs> and like you go back, it was just it was so insane in the '90s, just talking about nuns and the Amish and Inuit, just people who couldn't fight back. The '90s train doesn't there. stop either because you see them like the nuns are trying to teach them religious stuff. And it's set to a ska song. And I love how, like, regular-ass people that don't have a need to admonish Beavis and Butthead just love them. Like, this is the <laughs> same thing with the grandma. Like, the grandma has no stake in whether society accepts Beavis and Butthead. She's just, it's right on the page. Mm-hmm. These are some cool youngsters. The nuns are just like, these are some cool, cool youngsters. No, the like, nuns hate them. What are you talking about? They, they quickly to, realize. No way. Like, on the bus, they're trying to, like, teach them... Like, one of them's reading the Bible to them. They abandoned them at the Petrified Wood Museum. That's not their... I mean, like, it's the bus driver who abandons them. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, um, oh because because they're, like, trying... They, they want to get out of there? I thought that was in reaction to uh, the fact that the feds were, were closing in. Oh, okay. I, I read it as a reaction to the fact that Beavis and Butthead set themselves up as, like, fake priests... Uh, oh, that, that might booth. be that might be it. Yeah, you're, and, the, no, and the, you're, you know, people were going like, "I'm I'm sorry, Father. I sinned. I I, I slept with a woman who was not my really? wife." And here's nah, like, <laughs> was she naked? <laughs> <laughs> was she naked? That's so funny. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> again, it goes down so much smoother when it's from you and without all that giggling. <laughs> it's just like something about like it's it again goes back to that idea that they don't know what sex is. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> it's so good. Um but but yeah, you know, you're right. They, like I think they initially liked him and then abandoned yeah. them at the thing once they realized that oh, these two these two guys were no good. And uh, this is something I will accept as like the thing I respect about that mentality about that you know generation's mentality is People only care about you for what they can get out of you, right? They they give up once they realize they can't teach these boys to believe in the faith. Right. And the point of all the rebellion is, we're people. You should give us that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they just abandon them in the desert. Abandon them at Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they end up missing the next bus because they just are laughing at petrified wood for hours. Such a funny joke. Which is, which is I don't know, I like the consistency with which they are obsessed well, the thing I like about this is the ATF is like, okay, we've localized them, set up a roadblock within 200 miles of this location. It's going to cost so much money, but we're going to do it. And then because they get abandoned, they just walk into the desert and they're like, not, oh my not God, they're that. brilliant. They don't, even, they don't even realize what they like. They ask a nearby pedestrian, which way to Washington? And he's kind of like says like uh, <laughs> about about 300 miles that away. Like there's no... 
uh, what are you, an idiot? And they just start fucking walking there. Yeah, they missed the point of the sentence. It's so good. <laughs> and again, with that, like, the feds interpreting their behavior as genius. <laughs> when mm-hmm. it's just like this this, this pileup of failure. Uh, I, I do like that the uh, park ranger who, like notices them and like flips through a wanted by the fbi day calendar that's very funny to me (laughs) i i I let that one go past me but it's it's pretty good uh there's there's a brief interlude though where we go back to highland where we have the mr simmons teacher singing to the kids this song called lesbian seagull uh ha 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 take a take a drink the the fuzzy the sensitive teacher is talking about lgbt somehow and is playing an acoustic guitar like we've seen this in recess and a, and and like um and hey arnold and a bunch of stuff in the 90s where just hippies are still funny again it's got that south park sheen where like i know you're making fun of it but i'm not sure what about i think i know yeah, i know yeah. that you feel derision towards this but why <laughs> it's weirdly lower hanging fruit than the beavis and butthead poop humor to me yeah i i, I just don't like because it's 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 ex- exploitative i, for I no reason. laugh at the rest of the stuff but i recognize it as a joke that was constructed Here, yeah it's just like you you had a you had a thing like you had I don't a series like of words <laughs> To be fair, I do not like it. I just wanted to point it out because we get in that montage, one of the students is Daria, and it was nice to see her. Oh, I didn't even notice her. Yep, yep. She's got a, like a, a little bit more punky aesthetic, but it's definitely her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the real world, the like the real world humans. The six sad world. The, the, there's actually a six sad world thing later on. I'll bring it back up. But <laughs> some real world humans continue to violate some inalienable rights by beating him for no reason. Right, it continues right, not to be funny because these are real people and they're referencing real problems. And uh, again, I just I, I agree with you. I don't understand why he is deserving of a beating and derision. I guess if I'm being as charitable as I can toward Beavis and Butthead, the problems that they cause for other people are much smaller in scope. Yeah, they're just like this. The essence of a good prank is that it is complicated and very minor, mm-hmm. you know, like, there was this one time, I'm going to bring this up, why not? Yeah. Um, where I, um, this wasn't actually a prank, but the person I, I was doing it with assumed it to be a prank and was therefore amazed by how good it was. <laughs> I was telling him about a comic book that I had read called Time Lincoln, which is... I have it in my bathroom. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I must have given you that one. But um, it's it's about Lincoln Every traveling through time. Every person who comes to visit is very confused because it's the only reading material we provide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't know. I've got an eye for quality. It's about uh, what if Lincoln was a time traveler? Um, and that's more or less it. Fighting he like fights Void Stalin, Stalin of the Void. <laughs> Void Stalin and Mephitler and a bunch of a bunch of nonsense. And I go through this long explanation telling him about it. And he's like, I don't believe this actually exists. I'm going to look it up. And so naturally he looks it up and the first thing that happens is what time it is in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he just like falls to the floor laughing. He's like, you son of a bitch. You set me up so good. And like that, it read to him as a prank. I didn't intend it as one. But it's very like, funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to use it in, in I want to, I, I want to use it for real now, but like that, that's, that's the metric of Beavis and Butthead getting in people's way is mm-hmm. the more minor the inconvenience the funnier it tends to be because like there's no real world cost that i have to, to deal with but sure. 
Mr. Simmons getting beaten up by a governmental agency for being sufficiently sensitive is not okay. It is sure. not the level of humor that I want from Beavis and Butthead. And not because bad things happen to this guy that we think is lame, but because, like, you, 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 there is that. Like, that can be enough. It's just like, yeah, yeah you're, you already made your point that, you know, the government is doing bad things. Well, it's just, it's the level of bad things done to him go from just bureaucratic irritation to bodily harm and unnecessary cavity search. Mm-hmm. And that's not and that's not a funny thing to me. So it it, it approaches yeah, it, it it goes a little beyond the level that they have established and maintained throughout the rest of the movie to the degree where it's like, "Oh, are you approaching a point? Are you like trying to actually say something here?" It's interesting. You, you know, as we approach these real-world people doing real-world atrocities, you seem to enjoy it more and I seem to enjoy it less. I just want my art to have a point. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was enjoying the break. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can appreciate art from a craft standpoint, and I can appreciate it from like a a stance standpoint. I can't really appreciate it as like, yeah, we wanted to make a thing, or like, yeah, here's some dumb crude humor that makes fun of people we don't like. Like, I that's where it's like, what? Why? You could have done so much. You you had ten million dollars to make a movie, and you came up with this. <laughs> yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um, hopefully, at least some of this movie is getting you on like a construction level uh we're we're getting to parts of that so they're in the desert yeah they and they meet their dads (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there's no recognition of that fact it's just like this back and forth dialogue of uh, it's like where do you come from highland oh we totally scored there (laughs) oh really (laughs) are those women still there (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's just like that over and over again with no recognition on either side that they are both describing the same set of people this was actually a problem with the construction I had, which is that, like, I thought at least Beavis and Butthead would steal their motorcycles to continue the plot. Beavis and Butthead aren't, like... Well, I mean, I guess they're not above stealing a TV, but, like, I don't know if they would have connected motorcycle with faster travel. They didn't consider. It, it didn't occur to them. And they're just uh, back to square one of the walking through the desert. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty like Bugs Bunny, Yosemite Sam kind of kind of moment where they're just walking the desert while vultures are circling above them. And Beavis eats a bad mushroom and has a drug trip that honestly looks pretty cool. This is the highlight of the movie, I think. Like mm-hmm. they, well, first of all, they visualize their lives flashing before their eyes. <laughs> and for Butthead, it's them growing up chuckling on the couch at every age group. I, I will admit I was impressed at how well they were able to distinguish the age groups in animation, given how like monstrosity these guys look. And then he remarks, "My life was cool," which is this is that's I don't know I like that kind of I like what I am and it's mundane, but I it's I don't know it, it got me. But well, as they, you they say, only have two metrics for things: is it's cool or it rules or it sucks. Yes. Uh, but as you say, Beavis starts tripping on cactus juice, and this is an interlude that is set to, it's a music video set to Ratfinks, Suicide Tanks, and Cannibal Girls, a song by White Zombie. I love this sequence. It's impressive. 
I think that the music in this movie is generally pretty well integrated mm-hmm. and like appropriate. But this, I think, is pretty obviously the standout moment, at least for the animators. Like, um, they, they had a lot of fun with like demon versions of themselves. There's lots of hell imagery, huge cast of demonic weirdos. There's some swirly eyes that happen. And I think that that swirly eye kind of animation into a scene change is the Six Sad World one. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I just seeing a little bit of connective tissue on like kind of things that the that the Daria people would borrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I appreciated seeing. It's nice in this type of work when I can see that effort has gone in because mm-hmm. when it looks like effort hasn't gone in, I feel like the joke is on me, the audience. Oh, I, I never got that feeling, but I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, just this part, the whole thing screams hell party. And it's pretty obvious that the people writing Beavis and Butthead are into Hell Party. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yep, 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 yep. This is, this is, this is. But that's the thing. This and some of the hijinks and some of the jokes, like, I, I recognize that this is a movie that is about the jokes, but the parts that are good are not the parts that are plot relevant, at least as far as Beavis and Butthead are concerned. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's correct. I just uh, I think I like this interlude because the production was so. I mean, like it, it goes back to their roots. They know and like music videos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They 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 definitely like this one. This one's better. Uh, and they're woken up out of that by Muddy Waters, who has found them, uh, and uh, tells them to get in the trunk. I don't understand this from a character perspective because he's about to kill them, and they're like oh, we're going to meet up with your wife in D.C. and do her. And he's like, I can use you, and puts them in the trunk. And it's like, how can you use them? (laughs) You already know where she's going to be. Yeah, he acknowledges later that he's got the people that she hired in the trunk. I don't know what the utility of that is. Yeah. It's, I don't know, this, this movie is plot thin enough that I didn't really care. Like, there's moments where... Dallas Waters is is subtly shadowing them through all of these different national monuments, just showing up in her car, watching Beavis and Butthead move on, and then leaving. Like, I I feel like if you're gonna go to Washington to meet up with them, I don't know. Do you really check in with them every step of the way? I guess they're pretty dumb, but like, why not just drive them there then? <laughs> it's like it is it is nonsense to a pretty high degree. Hmm. Uh, and they have. Trunk hijinks, I guess, is the <laughs> trunk way. Trunk hijinks is exactly <laughs> the way to put it. Uh, and they, they won't like... stop giggling, so Muddy Waters is forced to increase the volume of the music, which I they... think is great. They don't realize they're being kidnapped, and they escape on accident. Also, they get in the car with no hesitation, because the person who told them to do so said that he was taking them to Washington, where they're going to score. Again, relating to them on a level they can understand the Mm -hmm. sex will be here if you get into the trunk oh okay sure sure yeah like follow this guy's advice that makes sense yeah yeah. (laughs) i i will defer to authority finger figures as loud as as long as they're offering me something that i find valuable (laughs) pretty much uh and and in this next scene is a moment that ulysses called out and in that he's he's told me about before and made me want to check out this movie Hmm. which is that they're speeding on the highway They've opened up the trunk, and Beavis is like, I don't know, man. We're going pretty fast. And Butthead says, just start running real fast as soon as you hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's very funny in isolation, the idea that, like, 
Just start running real fast. It's easy. And you're like, okay, it's a cartoon. So if he had just done that without being told, I could believe it. But the fact that he told he was told to do it by his very dumb friend means that it won't work. It's the echo chamber thing again, mm-hmm. right? We're not in a Looney Tunes world. We're in a Beavis and Butthead world. You know we it's know wrong because he said it. Yes. And we know they're going to get injured and we know it won't matter or be debilitating at all. Right. And that is exactly what happens. There's a 20-car pileup. They are somehow unharmed. They end up on the seniors bus. The, the, again, the specifics are really unimportant, but that's that's the next beat of the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know. Uh, but yeah, the, and then we finally make it to Washington. Yeah. Welcome to D.C. It only took, you know, most of the plot and that didn't need to be there, but we're here. It really didn't, but what are you uh, But, do? but that's fine, because that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muddy ambushes Dallas with a gun, which, like... You know, why did he need the boys in his trunk to do this? Yeah. <laughs> but I, when they I see don't know. that they're gone, they're like, hey, these boys that dragged along are gone. Let's murder them together. But first, sex. <laughs> let's let's do a sex. You know, I've been talking let's about do, sex this let's whole movie. Let's do a sex. <laughs> Somebody has to do a sex. <laughs> uh, one fun moment uh, in, in the kind of... Uh, so this is now Beavis and Butthead are in Congress. And... They ask over the PA to the room where all the senators are, where the chick with bo- big boobs is, and everyone in the everyone in Congress just starts doing the Beavis and Butthead laugh. <laughs> Which, like, okay, that's fine. I, I, I see what you're doing there. Well, it's it's kind of that whole polite society wants us to put on our robes and vestments and be polite, and somebody just cuts through all the bullshit and is asking where the boobs are, and they're all just like. I, I we're not immune to the charms of you know Ren and Stimpy or or you know that kind of toilet humor. Like f- fair enough, Beavis and Butthead. We we are also human. This is why I needed a hero in this movie because this comes right off the heels of Beavis giving what he seems to think is a rousing speech on the bus about how he deserves sex, which again, oh yeah, really hits differently nowadays. That's yeah, that's awful. Like this is. It's fine because he's so impotent. Like the same thing with being paid to take a hit out or and or sexually assault this this wife of uh, Muddy Waters. Like it's fine because he's impotent. We don't think he's actually going to do anything with it. But it's so shitty entitled behavior. And damn it, we wouldn't be the Carton cast if we didn't call out incel beta male cucks for their shitty entitled behavior and co- commodification of women. Yeah, and it's like. Yes, the, the the problem is power, and the problem is like, okay, if he had this opinion, that's one thing, but now he's actually a mover and shaker on, like, world-staging events. But but the other fact is, like, these, these boys, I don't know what's wrong with them. Maybe society failed them, maybe not. They shouldn't be around you know <laughs> they, they shouldn't they should have no levers of power in a just world i mean that's not i mean like few level levers of power everyone should have a few but these guys should not have many a low amount of agency into other people's lives these guys should not have access to the oval office and a bioweapon simultaneously you know oh i might i might upset a few people with this but maybe <laughs> i i don't know man like that's just that's just beef and butthead plot the, the yeah, part that fine. like but it's a actionable critique i think that could be made for this incel thing is like beavis and butthead are wildly popular characters a lot of people probably you know it's the dave Chappelle, the wrong people are watching this creative work kind of thing yeah we made it clear that these guys are bad and should be emulated but it doesn't matter some people aren't gonna get it yeah i yeah 
again, it's it's a it's a it's a um, you know, it's a cultural sensitivity that has changed. It, yes, and uh, like taken in isolation, I think it is. Also, at, at this point, like yeah. I don't know what I believe anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get through the rest of this plot. <laughs> All right, well, let's get there. Let's go to the White House. There's going to be a World Peace Conference. Again, this was stuff in the background because all the moving and shaking of the whole plot happened in the background. Dallas and Muddy, for for as much of drivers of the plot as they've been, uh, they get taken they down disappear. by the ATF and they they're just gone. They they're disappear done. out of the plot. Yeah, because we uh, need we we yeah. need a big finale with the boys. And the boys, uh, Butthead and Beavis, Beavis and Butthead are just wandering around the White House. Beavis has this. He took some yeah, more pills. He took the frame for frame, the exact <laughs> like exact. They changed the background so that it's a, a you know a bus instead of a plane. But yeah, <laughs> it's the exact same scene as in the airplane where he just took a bunch of these same old women's pills. Yeah, that's just efficiency. Um, and so he's all hopped up on those, and so he's doing his cornholio thing. Everyone ignores him. I think they just wanted to make sure they had enough cornholio magic for the fans. I I can't imagine like knowing what the fans want and then changing my movie to meet what they want, knowing that they like this. <laughs> knowing that this is what, it, yeah, I I, I don't love it. You could do anything. I don't love it, and it doesn't really inform how the plot transpires. But like, wh- whatever. So he breaks into the Oval Office and he calls the red phone. Now this actually like confused me for a minute because every cultural institution in the 90s led me to understand that in the white house there's a red phone that calls moscow it is a direct I, line to the russians i thought it called the city of townsville <laughs> <laughs> yes yes well there was the town of cityville in that one episode oh sure but this appears to just be him calling the generals yeah i which I is imagine. such a it's a minor nitpick but it really confused me like you could have had a bunch of funny Russian jokes here, and you didn't. I mean, there's there's, there's no way that you're actually a, upset with, like, factual consistency at this point. I just want them to have, a like, a comprehensible stance. I, maybe he's got a bunch of red phones. You know, I've never been in the Oval Office. This could, mm-hmm. he, they, Beavis and Butthead could be selling to be straight. Yeah, you, co- you color code them. Yeah, yeah. Red, red is, uh... Red is for either army or uh, or the uh, or the or, or Russia, comrade. Sure. Um, <laughs> in any case, like this 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 whole ending sequence is is just kind of a mess. Uh, I didn't really care for any of it, to be honest. Yeah. So well, what happens generally is Butthead gets approached by the ATF and searched. Uh, Beavis. He, uh, point of order: When he gets cavity searched, he responds, "Did I just score?" Another point of evidence that they don't know what scoring is. They don't know. They they recognize that buttholes are involved. Yeah, or uh, yeah, they're just Johnny Bravo. Um, Beavis walks out of the White House, and what does he find but the camper van of Hank Hill again? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and what's a boy to do? All hopped up on presumably Xanax and and you know osteoporosis. Meds. I, I assumed Adderall. <laughs> it could be pretty much anything, but he feels a need, a, a burning need to whack off in this. And this uh, has been a plot point, believe it or not, several times. This is like the most long-running and consistent plot point in the movie is that he jacks off in the comp in the camper van in, in Hank Hill's camper van. Um, yeah, and uh, he does that, and Hank Hill gets upset and throws him out without his pants. Without his and pants, the pants have and, the bio weapon. And Beavis is just cornholio in front of a camper while the ATF try to gun him down. Now, now this is the, possibly the only thing in this movie 
that I smiled at. What's that? Which is when Butthead sees all these agents with guns on Beavis and he just <laughs> says, this rules. Can I have a gun too? <laughs> at that point, the level of like remove from reality was far enough for me to enjoy it again. <laughs> but like, I wonder if maybe watching it again, you would get a greater feeling for that for a lot of the movie because that's been a consistent part with them where whenever we're watching them, it's very clear that they are viewing the situation that they're in through the lens of TV. Mm-hmm. And and that is happening here. He doesn't recognize that he should not be in possession of a gun. <laughs> like that isn't that isn't something that occurs to him. I'm not sure if I can if I can verbalize what makes that situation different from all of the other ones. A combination like, of you've been worn down slash you know it's going to be over soon. Well, I think it's because rather than like looking at a non sequitur, it is recognizing this as the opposite of the actual situation. And for, for me, that is a substantive difference. I, I can see that. That makes sense. Um, but but no, in, in regard to your question, I'm, I'm never watching this again. No, no I, I wouldn't think you would. I'm, I'm not saying that as a you should do this. I'm just I'm interested to see if like by the end of the movie, if you kind of caught what they were were jiving with a little bit more precisely. I it, it was it was a half hour till the end of the film, and I'm like, I've accepted that I'm not going to enjoy this on pretty much any metric. That's what I wondered. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in any case, the Cornholio thing, I, we're, we're, we're kind of glossing over it. It's, it's a lot. a long fucking time. And like this specific, I really like a lot of Beavis's just kind of nattering nonsense. Like, Whenever, yeah, cool, fire. Like, that all works for me. Butthead, I can get behind. Beavis, I just can't. I don't know, man. It's, it's just a specific, frequency thing. It's specific, it's it's just Pavlovian. The specific sounds of him chuckling just do it for me. But this specific joke needs a break. Um, eventually, the ATF surround him. Hank Hill comes out of the trailer with the, with the shorts. And they all, the ATF rush him, rip open the shorts, the bioweapon falls out, lands, like, there's a kind of a nice overdramatic slow motion thing where like it this. lands in Beavis, or Butthead's hair, and falls into his upturned hand, and he just goes, here you go. Like, yeah. Just very nonchalantly, <laughs> like, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Just it's... like the very dramatic, interspersed with, like, just, yep, here you go. Mm-hmm. This, this doesn't matter to me. This is not boobs. I did not sign on for this. Yeah, I did like the total lack of guile that, like, I have a thing that other people want. I can use this to get what I want. No, that that it's too many steps. It's it's like earlier when Beavis didn't recognize that he was being offered sex and money because he was just thinking about TV and he couldn't handle he couldn't parallel process mm-hmm. in that moment. <laughs> like he does, it, like Butthead does not recognize how this is. This could lead to a thing that he wants. And and Beavis also, when he was in the van whacking, whacking it. Whacking um, it. He had a picture of Dallas. Off that, in which that he was whacking, him. yes. Oh, yeah, there's that whole preposition bullshit. <laughs> Another joke that like, yeah, oh, remember when in school they used to get us on prepositions? No, I don't. <laughs> I do. I mean, that, that one kind of read to me. I just, It's just like... I mean, on, in like, 2020, the whole, there's so many things I don't care about. <laughs> I mean, I don't care about it either, which kind of is the point of like, sure, are you really, are you really struggling to understand my sentence because of the construction of it? No, it's more that I've seen that joke enough. Oh, sure. And may, maybe this is where it started. 
Um, but basically, the the combination of the bioweapon in the shorts and the photo of Dallas in the camper van is enough for them to say, like, oh, yeah, Hank Hill's got to get arrested. <laughs> Hank Hill got to go. He's got to go to Arlen. Somebody got to go to Arlen, it seems. Uh, yeah, and he gets thrown in. Hey, there's Dallas and Muddy again. Again, and never to be seen from again. The head of the ATF looks at Beavis and Butters and like, you boys are true American heroes. You helped take down a mastermind. And Bill Clinton missing. personally thanks them. Seen missing somewhere where they assumed Beavis and Butthead not to be idiots and assumed them to be like triple agents for the government somehow. Sure. Like I, I I'm, at this point, I am checked out logically and I'm like, yep, Bill Clinton thanks them. Sure, whatever. It's really I, weird yeah. how like, is, is it just me or like every 90s show that had the president referenced had bill clinton specifically and everything after that refused to acknowledge who was the president <laughs> it's it's inter- i don't think that's precisely true but let, let me unravel that for a second first of all clinton thanks them for their service and mentions that you two boys exemplify the youth who one day lead this great country in a not so subtle cell phone at the mtv crowd mm-hmm. um in and i cannot believe this is the second time i'm bringing it up this episode in Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. Can't believe it. Uh, at the end of the movie, they meet George Bush, George Bush Jr. Oh. and Wait, they, in live action? They smoke up with him. No, of course not. Why would he do that? They smoke up with him. It's a lot, you know, the, the idea, I mean, it's a, you know, George Bush stand-in or whatever. Sure, sure. But the idea is that they also meet the president. I can't help but see a similarity between the two where these are just two idiots, two idiot fuck-ups who went all throughout America, seeing the first and worst of it, such mm-hmm. as it is. And at the end of it, the president is just like, you two boys are all right. Yeah. I, th- I think there's just something about Clinton where that happened a lot more often. I think maybe we're, 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 we're re- remembering Animaniacs a lot. God, he showed up a lot. And, it, you know, our, our politosphere was not as charged it was mm-hmm. not as partisanly charged as it was back or uh, as, as it would it become now. right now yeah so sure. like he was just kind of fair game in a way that obama and or trump are well i mean trump's a special case but obama <laughs> kind of was off limits for for whatever reason mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so uh back in back in town they walk past the old motel they find their broken tv heartfelt reunion music and uh walk off into the sunset insulting each other yeah, and they are now made honorary agents of the ATF. <laughs> sure, whatever. The Bureau of Beer and Fire and Cigarettes and maybe some tits, too, <laughs> in their in their own words. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, and then, 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 then the credit sequence plays, which is them talking to Positive K while he tries to do a song. Which is more or less the version of these guys that I'm interested in interacting with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like the fact that they're just, like, kind of talking to him the whole time, and he's just trying to do something that's not interacting with them. And it's just very difficult for all parties involved. Yeah, I, I guess, it, you know, in a summation sort of sense, I don't get a lot out of, like, two entities that share no space just talking at each other. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it—I don't think that the MST3K reference is immaterial. 
I think there's a lot of similarities with that formula of just these personalities are really well-defined and watching them critique something in real time is kind of fun. Yeah, and the the Gen X aesthetic of it's find a point and laugh and not like like not come know, to a conclude not to come to a substantive conclusion. It seems both like lazy and toothless to just say like oh yeah man the government sucks rather than saying like here's a specific person who did this specific thing and here's why it's bad and here's what we could do to fix it like it's it's just something that chafes at me as a relic of a bygone era where that was enough i and i guess you know they had to lay the groundwork because they came out of a system where even questioning the government was something that you couldn't really do but like looking back at it now it's very difficult for me to to give them credit for it I, I can see that. I think I maybe just have a lower threshold for, like, appreciating criticism that does not end in a point or does not end in actionable, well, action. Yeah, I mean, th- that's what we do all the time. That's true. Like, well, we don't necessarily—I mean, arguably, I would say that we have more of a point of what is the correct way to do things and not the correct way to do things by the end of most episodes than they did for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that the satire is valuable in and of itself, even if it doesn't lend us to, this is a bad society, this is how you'd make society good. Or these are, this is a generation whose point of view is, sti- is silly. This is a way that you can interpret such a, like, I don't find a need to end with a, and therefore, what should we do about it? Mm-hmm. I think that there is value. It's not enough on its own, but I think that there's value in the, in the satire itself. Um, but I, I, I recognize that without that message kind of following it, it might not be appealing because it feels like the message is, and don't do anything. Yeah, that, that's where it kind of crawls me. Yeah, and, and that's valid too. Because, like, because there, there's accept, no problem with that. Accepting that as a legitimate or useful stance to take means that I have to respect many people who I hate. Sure, I mean, like... Like, I, like... Yes, in, I understand. In, when, I, when I was in high school, when I was, like, as a student, I knew a bunch of people who were just, like, constantly just, like, refusing to do anything or being mean to the teachers or just being mean to each other or, or to me. And it's like, why? Fuck no, I'm not going to vote for Biden because uh, because uh, people treated Bernie Sanders real bad. It's like, you're, you're actually not act, acting on the part of the... You're not actually trying to make things better at all. You're just being upset. <laughs> Even that allows for a degree of complexity and, like, reflection. Like, this is just, like, you know, I... <sighs> I, think, I think I'm just giving it a pass because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't leave them out of that critique. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think that they are also taken to task for their short-sighted TV-addled worldview of not being the actual way. Like, yes, they are nominally the protagonists, but, like, I never got the feeling, like, the work liked them at all sure and like i didn't it didn't feel like an exaltation of that mindset i guess i've just seen too much that perspective being used to avoid taking a strong stance on things or like you know i I see online a lot of people who uh will say something they'll just be really mean and they will use they're like yeah i mean so you know i'm i'm an asshole you that's just who I am, and I accept it, and I know that I'm I'm a dumbass, and they use that as an excuse for not improving. 
it, it's an excuse to get me to never talk to them. Right. Like, that's that's all it is. And, like, in, in a way, I would argue that that is a, a successful warning for me. So thank <laughs> you. Um, I, I recognize that that's, like, an irritating person to have in our general surroundings. And, and seeing... I don't know. I, I guess... I don't know. It, it, uh, it did and, not bother me to the same degree. And I will say a lot of it is the craft, the specific way that this looks and the way that the characters sounded and the way that the plot was constructed also chafe me. <laughs> yeah, that all worked on me 100%. So so I guess I want to know. Because it's you just know, King, King of the Hill with really, I like these characters like on a on a fundamental like experiential level like they're just their specific sounds and shapes are funny to me like Beavis's <laughs> like little zigzag like diagonal eyebrows is very funny to me can't get behind it but I've, I've put you in this position of defending this movie a lot and and I know you that you do you seem to position of defending Beavis and Butthead what have you done and this I know payback that... from Fruits Basket when you, I made you... you try to defend a bunch of people turning into cat girls. I believe you that, like, you found a lot of value in this, but I, I want to know now, like, what really didn't work on you for this? It's it's one thing specific. Uh, it's a couple things, but they all kind of fall under the banner of real-world people committing atrocities without Beavis and Butthead as a buffer to that. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy who... The, the head of the ATF, who's just obsessed with cavity searches, I understand why in like in isolation why that can be funny like i get it like clearly there's something about this guy that like he's not interested in justice he's interested in cavity searches for the sake of the journey Mm -hmm. and like i understand in isolation that can be funny but it's applied to people who look like real world humans and that's just a power that's a power dynamic that is in the real world and very exploitative and problematic and abusive so it, it just, it didn't land for me because it was too close to the real world. That's interesting, because for me, that's what made it a better satire. Maybe, yeah, that is that is interesting. I think I mentioned earlier, like, it got worse for me as it got better for you. And maybe it was just because it hit you on that societal critique level, because it was, like, locked in and, like, specific and didn't involve Beavis and Butthead. But those are the exact reasons that I... It, it felt too close to comfort for me. I'm of the opinion that if you're going to critique society, like, do it. Um, if, if if yeah, don't dance around. If you care about something enough to make a stand, make make your stand. And like, the thing that I criticize about myself is is having difficulty in like just saying flat out, "Here's how it is, man." And I like tend to be more diplomatic I like, than I I'd like, like that, to be. But I like that your take a stand guy is Willie Nelson. <laughs> I, I think you'll find that he's yeah, the real that. America. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one who draws all the lines in the sand. Uh, so yeah, like I, I, I like the sense of satire of like, oh, the problem is that we have real people in power who think that torture works. Like, <laughs> and, and I, I don't deny that that is a, an effective critique, and like, it, it, like that, that's an effective way to get me to grapple with that part of uh, that problem. I just found it uncomfortable because the movie had already stated its terms of you're here to watch idiots being idiots. Enjoy it on that level. I think it, I think it basically boils down to I accepted the terms I was given and you did not. And that's fine because the terms that were given were not, they didn't, they didn't appeal to you. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You put Beavis and Butthead into the mix and the message gets muddled. 
Right. And I was just, I was there for it. I was there for the Mm -hmm. muddling. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I do not like these gentlemen. (laughs) They're fine young boys. But, (laughs) um, yeah, let me flip that uh, script on its head. What were parts of the movie that did work for you? You know, there were good lines. There was good dialogue in here that if it was presented in a different way, I probably would have found more digestible and, and more interesting. Um, the the sheer lack of charisma of the main characters and the art style in general, I think, did a lot to keep any specific thing from kind of like tickling my fancy. It all kind of fades into the background when it with with every everyone's a king of the hill except for Beavis and Butthead, and Beavis and Butthead are to you very unappealing to look at, and King of the Hill is just pretty backgroundish. It it's impressive because like clearly this was a singular vision of an artist whose work i generally respect and who i feel does understand what he's doing it just it's aimed at somebody so different from me that i i can't uh i can't abide the friction required that's interesting because like i am the person who it's aimed at and it (laughs) does work for me and we're not that different so i'm thinking that the the subtlety (laughs) the devil is in the details here you know Mm -hmm. like on what level can i appreciate satire and it's it's at a much softer clip than the way that you appreciate it, I think. I think so. I think that's true. Um, yeah. And I think the... And again, both are fine. Not taking yeah. you to task. There's no problem with you not enjoying this movie. Just just to get it out there. Just to make it absolutely clear. Yeah. I do not think that this movie's for everyone. For, for me, when I see a movie that takes 20 minutes to get to the plot and then <laughs> spends most of the plot dicking around with the same, like, little jokes, like, I understand and appreciate what you're trying to do, but you're also trying to have a plot? And as soon just... as it hit the airport, as soon as it hit the airport scene, I'm just like, oh yeah, I get it, fine. And, and, and then also, they went I didn't into find their antics particularly enjoyable. <laughs> I think that's the difference: is that they primed me to enjoy it on that one satire level, and they it's, did not prime you to do it. It's uh, when you watch Nathan for you. Do you generally uh, find that good? No, I can't handle it. It's too okay. awkward. All right, so so we found the exact line because I also don't really find it that good when he's like bothering other people who I, do I, mean well yeah like it's it's the same reason i can't watch gordon fucking ramsey's like they're he's just yelling at people i mean the, the you know the u.s version of that mm-hmm. it's it's just it's abrasive to me it's acerbic and like i just i want to watch british bake-off instead like i want this criticism to be a little kinder yeah there's there's so much not kindness in the world <laughs> Yeah, can't I get away from it for a little bit? Well, with Beavis and Butthead, I guess I can. It just means that I'm going to be watching Corn Fucking Holio on an airplane, like, you know, tanking the plane. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the that's the price of doing business with Beavis and Butthead. And I, I was in for it, and you were not. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an, it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting, like, litmus test for your sensibilities. And it's like, it's about a generation that I was not, I was I was adjacent to, but not part of. You know, I I grew up in the same era as Beavis and Butthead being a thing, but I was I was I was too straight arrowed as that age group, and I didn't like MTV, and so just a lot of it did not hit me. And I really loved King of the Hill and Daria, so like there isn't a fundamental problem with the artist or the art style. I think it's just a little bit more raw and unde- unrefined, and for a different subculture than I happen to belong in. But this movie gave me mostly king of the hill energy so it worked on it worked on me okay it's just the cartoon i don't think really appeals to me that much hmm yeah there's there's definitely an element of the craft in it that uh that makes it difficult for me i'd be interested like have you 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 have liked king of the hill right 
Yeah. Like, that That does not... Uh, it's just the characters, maybe. Uh, well, I mean, these are good, reasonable people trying to do good in the world. And, like, there is a, like, conception of a world that maps onto what I know. Yeah, Rather yeah. than, like, a brutal criticism of the world that I know framed in a way that is so alien to me that it's for someone else it's, and it's nihilistic too which doesn't particularly work on you mm-hmm. yeah king of the hills hill is much more uh, like wide audience yeah and i i appreciate it there too but i i enjoyed this movie i'm glad that we watched it specifically because of the reference to king of the hill i'm interested that daria took such a different approach it was still satire aimed at a different you know Aimed at a different subculture, which I think is why it probably worked a little bit better with you. Except yeah. for the main character, again. Yeah, well, you know, check out our episode on that for my problems with her. Speci- it, her pro- the problem, my problems with her specifically are the same problems. It's just she's a little smarter, so she should know better. Yeah, it, Beavis and Butthead at least get the, like, probably somewhere on the spectrum, like, asterisk of, well, it's not really, like, how much blame can they actually be given? Yeah, you get into the free will argument. Yeah, but in any case, um, I, thank you I, for I think it's fascinating. Gi- that thank this, you for giving this a chance, at least. Uh, you know, and I didn't get much out the of the movie, thing. but the conversation has really made me reflect on a lot of like what my values and tastes are. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you accepted my values and arguments without compromising your your values and tastes because, like, I don't think you're wrong for not liking it. Again. It's it's fine that this didn't hit you. I just hope that this episode is not intolerable to anyone listening. Like, okay, we get it. You respect yeah. each other. You don't Presum- like a thing. <laughs> Presu- <laughs> Presumably they know the Carton cast formula by now. But yeah, yeah. I do hope that I, I did provide people with enough of the, uh, enough of like the, the, the Pavlovian, <laughs> hey, check it out about him. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Fire. It's not cool. It's never been cool. <laughs> I don't know, man. Fire's cool. Yeah, uh, fire's fire. In any case, uh, we do have a comment that I'd like oh, to yeah. point out. Uh, this is by my friend Ulysses, who went to uh, our contact page and uh, wrote in a comment. Ulysses. Um, he says, We still can't believe it, but my father took my brother and I to see this in theaters. It came out in 96, so we would have been 15 and 8. Needless to say, as an 8-year-old, I love this movie. <laughs> My brother recalls that the soundtrack was good and remembers the white zombie song during the cactus hallucination scene. I do too. Uh, also, not too long ago, I'd randomly described the show joke about running really fast when you hit the ground to Relaford, so I'm glad you're going. <laughs> that was the reason I saw this, Ulysses. That's the reason I, want, I, I pushed for this so hard. So I'm glad you're going to get, see, get to see the actual reference. My middle school English teacher would be happy about this movie because I try to make sure I don't end my sentences with prepositions. Beavis mm-hmm. and Butthead was a bit before my time, but my older brother was into it, so that meant I was too. Yep, that 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 tracks with yep. our experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie was the majority of my exposure. Before writing this comment, I had to look up if Butthead was hyphenated or one word. It's hyphenated. Want to make Agent Fleming proud? Agent <laughs> Fleming, I think, was the one who was really a stickler about the 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 uh, the uh, hanging the preposition, the, the the hanging preposition joke. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. did like the hanging preposition joke just because of how, how how much trouble he had, how convoluted the sentence. As far as that construction of a joke is, it, it, it was pretty good. You had I, just seen it before. I I find it the idea of like watching this as a kid interesting because the only times I remember watching media that was aimed deliberately above me are 
are specifically times when I was like caught doing so. Like I would be watching, like I'd be playing a video game on my computer or something and I'd be watching like whatever's on and it happens to be South Park and mom walks down, she's doing laundry or something. And they say like, oh my God, that statue of the Virgin Mary is like spewing period blood. And I'm like, okay, now I have to have a conversation with my, with my mom. Thanks. Yeah. They could have used a filter on that one. <laughs> or like, oh, my friends wanted to show me trapped in the, uh, uh, what was it? Trapped in the closet. And I'm like, oh yeah, this beat's kind of cool. This is a really interesting, like soap opera plot. This is I neat. do not understand how memes work yet. And then like, you know, parent walks by like, oh, what are you watching? Oh, don't worry about it. No, if you can watch it with your friends, you can watch it in front of me. Untrue. Okay. Unfucking true. <laughs> Who has ever met that? that? That's not an argument that people can have. So I'm I'm used to watching this type of media in uh, universal subjectivity, mom. In really? the context where I should be judged, right. uh, rather than like, oh, watching this with folks. Like I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. Like I can't that, imagine that colors my perception of such things. It's interesting because like when I'm that young, like the toilet humor is probably going to work on me a bit better. And like watching these, I don't know, like the the Pavlovian like uh, Woody Woodpecker like laugh the <laughs> or or like the mandark laugh like there's definitely something to a to a um a, just a just a contagious laugh right mm-hmm. and that, that i can imagine that hitting an eight-year-old pretty good yeah i mean just the fact that somebody out there is is going against taboos i i'm kind of amazed that your parents allowed you or even took well, i mean i guess i know his dad so that kind of tracks but like i'm amazed that a father of people could take their eight-year-old to see Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> like, that's just that's just amazing to me. It just, as I get older and recognize that parents can actually be people that is my age, I I make more allowances for fuck-ups that they can have. Mm-hmm. I still fail to see the father who can fuck up this badly to take their kid to, <laughs> to, to, to see Beavis and Butthead do America when they're eight. Like, they're, I, it's just amazing to me. Well, you're, you're going to take the 15 with you and leave the eight-year-old, what, at home alone with the stove? Don't be ridiculous. Hey, you can watch this with your 15-year-old son. You can watch it with me. He's he's not even going to understand what's going on on the screen. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just it's just very interesting. No disrespect to anybody's parents, of course. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. I'm pretty sure... Ours took uh, our older brother to see Jurassic Park when they when he was like four, so whatever. Yeah, um, I, I am also happy to see that your brother recalled the white zombie scene because I'm probably gonna think about it a lot. So <laughs> that makes sense. Honestly, that's that's a great fucking music video. I'm not a music video guy, but there... that appealed to me on like kind of a Nightmare Before Christmas kind of metric. Mm-hmm. You know, just like it's very inventive and like Hell Party is a cool aesthetic that not many cartoons do a lot with so i'm always happy yeah, to see it. it it feels like if ralph bakshi was more experimental if like ralph bakshi had had to design the hell from simpsons that flanders plays around with i would watch a ralph bakshi remake of beavis and butthead do america pr- pretty hard I'd, I'd be pretty in for that I, I don't think he would have the grasp of toilet humor that's necessary <laughs> to really crap those characters the man knows sex <laughs> I mean that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so yeah, thanks. Put thanks a lot for of titty fairies in there, so that makes sense. Yeah, thank you so much, Ulysses. Um, I'm I'm glad that uh, glad that we uh, checked out a thing that you had fond memories for. Hopefully, we were not too uh, too difficult about it. Hope we've done you justice. But honestly, you've watched every, you've listened to every single episode we've done, so presumably you understand our our beats. You you have enough of a problem 
to stick you with have us here. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 out of things to say. I'm I'm Thank glad goodness. I watched this movie. This was fun for me. <laughs> this might have been like the worst movie I've ever seen, and I'm never watching. It yeah, again. you 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 had texted me. This is the worst movie I've ever seen, and I'm like, oh boy, I really chose a weird thing. And then I started in on it. <laughs> And, like, the part where they walk in <laughs> into the motel room and there's, like, the any other person would be embarrassed and anxiety-making at this moment. And their response is, can we watch your TV? In the <laughs> abstract, that's very funny. It's just the delivery system was harsh for you. I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm always glad to see a thing that you and I have such different reactions to. Really weird. <laughs> like, this, this and Fruits Basket, I think, are the top two. I, I choose to believe that you enjoyed Fruits Basket. <laughs> that's you a, know that's they a, remade it. They they made it again. It's, it's there's new episodes. I I am more accepting of you bouncing off of Beavis and Butthead than you are for me bouncing off of Fruits Basket. And I just wanted to point that out. They even got the original voice actors back. Anyway, Shigure still sounds Zane, very fun. <laughs> Zane, what are we going to do next time? Ben, I'm proud to say that we're finally, barring some sort of apocalypse, which, you know, 2020, uh, we're going to be watching the Doctor Who Power of the Daleks animated six episodes. Shouldn't have taken us this long to try and schedule Schedules something, but we're going to do it. I do, it's going to happen. This 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 might be an even harder ask than our Ed and Eddie remake episode. I, I've committed myself to watching all of it, and I'm really curious to see how it hits since I watched the first three, conservatively speaking, four months ago. Yeah, I didn't. I like uh, I recognized that I could put it off longer and didn't watch them yet. But uh, we'll do that, <laughs> and if we don't, then the episode afterwards. Uh, Zane, it's time for an anime again, and we have decided not going to space enough. Need more space in our diets. We're missing yeah. vitamin X, which everybody knows comes from space. So we will be watching Outlaw Star, which was turned on to me because of a super eyepatchable video I watched. But it, I, I watched a couple episodes, and it's kind of cool and really ridiculous. He made it seem appealing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, and uh, you can look forward to it too. And if you have anything to say about either Outlaw Star or Power of the Daleks... Um, but in all honesty, if you had anything to say about Power of the Daleks, you probably have told us by now. But if you do have anything to say about either of those, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our website, cartoncast.com or fancybat.com, and dr- drop us a line at the contact page. Ulysses did it. You can figure out how to. You can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. It really helps us out. And more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. And if you have a problem with my perception of Beavis and Butthead, I will only be taking criticism in the form of things that were widespread in the 90s. So if you fax me or beep me, uh, that's fine. But I won't accept anything through the internet. Would Kim Possible be able to find this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the metric. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, what kind of what rock song do we want to imitate Beavis and Butthead to, to lean out of this? Oh, can we just play, like, some Tenacious D or something? Like, that has the right level of artifice, in my opinion. Tenacious D is one of those that does have that kind of slacker mentality behind it that I don't think you chafe against. It's just yeah, fun for fun's sake. Because they go on adventures, Ben. Is, is that really all it takes? Zane, like, what, could be, what, could be a better, what could be a better adventure than America? All right, well, now I, now I need to reflect on my feelings on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, while you do that, I'm going to... I really hate that you've done da, this to da, me. Da, 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 da. Sucks, you motherfucker. The government totally sucks. 
naked while he smoked on the weed. He was a genius, but if he was here today, the government would fuck him up as right GSA. Now let me tell you something about the government. Uh-huh. They're fucking up the environment. Say what? They're taking all the fucking beautiful animals. 